pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Is the morning huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. Now, here are the guys. Good morning. Good morning and huddle up, one and all. Happy Monday, February 26th, 2024. My name, of course, RJ Ochoa. Rob Thompson out today. We may or may not have a surprise for you in store later on this particular morning as you are headed out to work, to the gym, whatever the case may be. We're here uh, to help you mind them, break lights, and uh, hopefully have a little bit of fun in the process. We begin the final week of the month of February, and we see everybody in the Brigade Bar, by the way. Everybody make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Search for SA Sports Star. Subscribe. Pay the life tax. Turn on the notifications. I see you, Rudolph Gonzalez. I see you, Goldfinger123. I see you, Vince Trevino. Um, it is a good, good, good morning, and I hope it is for you as well. Uh, final week of February is upon us. As mentioned, the Spurs have one more game left in the rodeo road trip. That number one is important because that is the number of wins they have throughout it so far, falling again on Sunday night to the Utah Jazz. We did get a 5 by 5 from Wemby. Over the weekend against the Lakers and LeBron James, of all people, we're going to get into that. Uh, it was magnificent. We talked about it, actually, on Friday, how he came close. I mean, he, he flirted with it, actually, on Thursday night in Sacramento. And then, lo and behold, uh, it was just the 14th time in NBA history that this had happened. You have to kind of wonder whether or not, when it's all said and done, that Wemby will have 14 uh, or more of his own. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, well, didn't play, but this week does begin the NFL Combine, which means they're going to be in action to some degree, although Mike Zimmer, uh, newest Dallas Cowboys defensive quarter, uh, coordinator, and Mike McCarthy will not be there. Um, Houston Texans don't have to look for a quarterback because they found one at the Combine last year. But interestingly enough, uh, the people who are looking for the quarterback, the cognitive test, the S2 test that uh, was associated with C.J. Stroud for um, negative reasons, negative reasons for Stroud specifically. Um, seems like a lot of quarterbacks are shying away from that. A lot of prospects in general, uh, a lot of quarterbacks not going to be throwing, instead choosing to do so at their pro day. This, of course, is a common effect that we have seen over the course of the last decade or so now, really. Um, it's just the way things go. The combine, if you are, I wouldn't say new around here, but if you don't totally pay attention, you don't monitor it, the most important thing from the combine, while we have a lot of fun, the Underwear Olympics and all that sort of jazz, 
the most important thing that the combine gives us is medical information. All of the players are assessed and evaluated from a medical perspective. Uh, players who come in with injuries or injury questions, situations, whatever, those things are able to be determined uh, in some way, shape, or form, uh, which is, again, the primary purpose in the modern age of the NFL Combine. In terms of, you know, performances and things like that, um, that's reserved more for the pro day. Um, college basketball is eating up. Um, I spent part of the weekend in Waco. I talked about on Friday how I was going to be road tripping in we were at George's. Anyone who knows Waco, who knows that uh, neck of the woods, um, anyone who knows George's knows it's a great time, and it certainly was for me. But um, while we were there, the Baylor-Houston game was riveting and captivated my attention. Um, I, you know, Houston managing to pull things off uh, in overtime, if Baylor could just uh, hit you know, their free throws, and all of a sudden this is a very, very different conversation. Uh, we're talking about Houston falling over the course of the weekend, but they've trailed finally on Sunday for the first time since like February 13th or whatever the case was. Uh, really great game. We're not quite at March, as mentioned, but one week left, and it feels like uh, things are going to start picking up a little bit more here as we get ready for the tournament. Like I said with the Spurs, I'm, I'm just I'm tired. I'm tired of, of, of looking for things to feel positive about. Sunday night was really the least positive feeling game, I think, of the overall, um, at least post-All-Star break version of the road trip. Wimby, a little bit more of a quiet night. Certainly you know, not necessarily a 5-for-5 five five sort of thing. Did have the double-double, 22 points. We talked about it. Devin Vassell dropped 27, but all of it was for not. Utah running away, 128-109. The Spurs did make it. I mean, they made Utah sweat, I suppose, just a teeny tiny bit. Uh, but it was um, it was a really, really, really another frustrating loss for the Spurs, which is what we've kind of grown accustomed to. And it it was it was frustrating on the heels of you know a great performance, a great back and forth Friday night. Um, you know, back and forth between Wemby and LeBron, and just kind of seeing and viewing and feeling the you know most recent dominant force in the NBA in LeBron James, and obviously what we believe to be the next up-and-coming force in the NBA in Wimby. And it was, it was awesome. I mean, and, it was, and I know that we've been looking for and we've been struggling to find these, you know, moral victories. And we talked about that on Friday after the Sacramento win, and then they went and did it again against L.A., I'm 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 really tired. I mean, it's February 26th, and, and we've got 11 wins. 11! I mean, it's just... It's really difficult to fathom that that could be the case for an NBA team with an all-world talent, which is what the Spurs have in Victor Wembanyama. But yet, here they sit, an 11-win team, as March now just a couple of days away. And I don't, I don't know how we can believe that it's going to necessarily change. I mean, there's a lot of hope, but and Devin Vassell are just, I mean. You know, Devin Vassell dropped 27 points. His plus minus is minus 14 on Sunday night against Utah. And so it's just not functional team basketball. We will, of course, get into it um, it, 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 in silver and black um, at 7 o'clock. Goldfinger123 says in the brigade bar, RJ did LeBron that won Banyamba Chown the King's Crown. I don't know if anybody saw this, um, but obviously Wendy, you know, had the the sneakers that came out at All-Star Weekend, um, and now he's been using, obviously, the alien emoji. It seems like there was a coordinated effort 
between LeBron and Wendy as far as Instagram captions were concerned. I know this is riveting and, and fascinating information. Um, they, they basically had the same Instagram caption just relative to their own brand. Um, and I only bring that up because it did seem that there, there was a, an effort between the two of them, which suggests, obviously, what somebody like LeBron thinks of Victor Wembanyama, which is, you know, not that it's breaking news uh, that Wemby is amazing, but he's impressing a lot of people. And on, on Saturday night, excuse me, on Friday night, he did do something historic uh, with the 5x5 five five against LeBron's Lakers. Um, very cool uh, for Wemby, but again, in another losing effort, there's, there's a tweet that uh, used to reference Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Angels, uh, Shohei and Mike Trout. I don't know if anybody's familiar with it. Um, and it, it talks about, I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter because Shohei plays for the Dodgers, but how, you know, anytime he, he does, he would do something amazing with all these stats about Shohei Otani that, um, it would be all like for the first time since 1908, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the Angels lost 10 to three to the Tigers. That's kind of how it feels. Like Victor Wimbanyama is doing all these amazing things, but it doesn't matter, um, because Spurs keep losing. Um, Let's get into it, though. Let's get into exactly what Wemby did on a more specific level uh, on Friday night against the Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. We have uh, a whole lot of fun in store for you today here on the Morning Huddle. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this on 94.1 Ben Antonio Sports Center. Tonight at 5.45, it's college basketball. Miami and North Carolina on your home for March Madness. 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Look, we fixed the mic issue, all right? Everybody was all, you know, in a tizzy. We fixed the mic issue. Sometimes 6 a.m. is a little bit too early for everyone, the equipment included. My name's RJ Ochoa. You're listening to The Morning Huddle here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. And I hope that you're having a wonderful day. I hope that you had a wonderful weekend. I hope that it was um, just representative of all of your thoughts, emotions, and feelings on life, and that uh, you woke up today feeling ready for a new week, and we're hopefully uh, going to get you ready for it. Um, nobody can get the Spurs ready for anything these days, as <laughs> they lost again, and there are positives. Okay, I, I'm, I don't want to just, just be a, you know, a grumpy old grouch and say this team stinks. There, there are very obvious positives. But they're really difficult to see. I, I, to be quite frank with you, I don't understand the expression "miss the forest for the trees." I, I know it's. I know the general purpose of it is something like you know you're you're missing what's right in front of you. I don't care about the forest. I don't care about the trees. I'm just sick of losing. The Spurs have lost four games in a row. They've won one game on the rodeo road trip. They've won one game in the month of February. All right, they beat Toronto uh, a few. You know, feels like you know decades ago at this point in time. That was February 12th, so two weeks ago to the day. Since that, that is their only win since January 27th. We came in here on January the 29th. That was a Monday. That night, the Spurs would go on to completely and totally fall apart against the Wizards. But we came in saying, man, they beat the T-Wolves. They beat the T-Wolves, and that was awesome. That was super, you know, impressive. That was super amazing. They hung tough on this back-and-forth kind of fourth quarter. They have lost, as mentioned, since then to the Wizards, Orlando, New Orleans, Cleveland, and then the Rodeo Road Trip at Miami, Orlando, Brooklyn, beat Toronto, lost at Dallas, and then, of course, this past weekend, uh, to get things started, they lost at Sacramento, the Lakers, and the Jazz on uh, Sunday night. Uh, Funk Attack says, A.O., we back to FM. That's right. Again, we got through the power of uh, the gremlins of connection issues, so we're good to go. I don't know that there's a big takeaway 
from Sunday night's game. I mean, they lost, and it wasn't close. I know they made it kind of cute um, in the fourth quarter, but the the most impressive, important outing that the Spurs had over the course of the weekend, obviously and undeniably, came on Friday night against the Lakers. Um, LeBron notably did not play in the first game for Los Angeles back after the All-Star break against the Warriors. We were all pissed off about that because we wanted to see a preview of a potential playing game. But LeBron got up for Wemby, and LeBron got up and said, you know what, I got to get up for my future uh, teammate, right? That's what we've been you know, having a lot of fun discussing. And Wemby, in case you didn't know, in case you, you missed it, dropped a 5 for 5. I mean, just an absolute masterpiece of a game from Victor Wembanyama, proving that he is the future, obviously, not just of the NBA, but arguably of international sports um, relative to what we see here domestically. And it was it was... It was just incredible. I mean, it was just this incredible sort of thing, especially because he had come so close to doing it on Thursday night. So for him to literally go out and do it in his next outing uh, speaks to his greatness and, and what his potential obviously is. Um, but don't take my word uh, word for it. LeBron James, the king himself, was uh, was asked about Wemby in his postgame and, and came away feeling rather impressed. He doesn't have a ceiling, so you do whatever he wants to do with his career. He seems like he enjoys the game. He seems like he... Puts the word just from the outside looking in. Obviously, I'm not with him on a day-to-day basis, but I said it a long time ago how special you know he was. It's, it's literally that simple. Obviously, I'm not with him on a day-to-day basis. Interesting. It's an interesting comment just to say. I mean, it's true, but why say it unless you were planning on potentially being with him on a day-to-day basis? Um, you know, that's uh, that's a straw to stir a drink on a different day. Um, I do think that it is impressive. That somebody like LeBron um, obviously comes away uh, with a, a particular impression of Wemby. How can you not, especially on a night like that? But the wins, the wins just are not. It's okay, cool. Wemby's amazing. We we understand that. Devin Vassell is a piece to work with. But what other thing is there to hang your hat on? I mean, what what other player on this team is going to be on the team? And you know, I saw a tweet the other day. It said something about what other what other Spurs are going to be on this team in, in a decade. I'm not even going to go that far. Outside of and and you let me know six five six three seven seven six six five six ESPN or if you want to chime in on the brigade bar. Outside of Wemby and we'll throw in Devin Vassell, maybe Jeremy if you want. Kind of a plus minus situation there. But what Spur on the current roster is going to be on the team in three years? I mean, even two years. I, I can't conceive in my mind any player on this roster that's going to be. Around Goldfinger uh, says in the chat, the L's come with the gig. The gig is tough, man, and 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 the gig is just one twenty eight one oh nine. And even this Lakers game, it did, it felt winnable. It felt right there, and it, it feels like the Spurs cannot take hold of any of these winnable games. These are you put them in in different categories, right? We, we do that as sports fans. You put them in kind of a coin flip sort of thing. The coin always goes against them. It does. The coin always flips against the Spurs. It's like it's weighted. And I don't, it, it is impossible to believe that they could not just simply out of luck, luck their way into a win. Maybe, maybe the Minnesota win was their one, their one win, the one time that, uh, you know, Tails did fail, so to speak. Um, but this game against the Jazz is just, you know, okay, cool. You, you got two points from Champagne. You got, one point from Jeremy, by the way, benched. So one point from Jeremy before all this stuff kind of takes off and whatever, but gets benched after four minutes. And Mitch Johnson was obviously asked about this. Here's what he had to say. 
just repetitive mistakes. Sometimes you need to change up the messaging or change up the accountability or how you do things, and Pop's the best at it. So, Sorry, Kelvin, excuse me, but, I mean, zero points. I got mixed up in the zero and the one. So Kelvin gets benched right away, and mistakes, right? I'm I'm completely – I'm fine if a coach wants to bench a player for, for making and committing mistakes. We're all fine with that. We, we can all compartmentalize that in our minds, okay? That makes sense. Why are these mistakes happening, especially with a player like Keldon at this point, right? And and miss me with this, I want to send a message, um, you know, I, I, you know, we have to make sure, blah, 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 whatever. Dude, you're getting smoked by the Jazz on a Sunday night on the heels of a rodeo road trip that has been incredibly unproductive for you from a team standpoint. Yeah, we, we've all seen the cool graphics that, you know, the team account has tweeted out about Wemby in terms of the individual accolades, and we've celebrated the comments from LeBron and things like that, but if you're having to bench somebody who we're supposed to believe that you believe in, or at least believed in at one point in time, after four minutes for simple mistakes, I'm totally willing to blame the player to a certain degree. And I, I think in normal circumstances, if this was a normal, functional NBA team relative to the current moment, I think we all would sit back and say, you know what, Keldon deserved to be benched, right? That's You make a mistake, you, you step out of line, whatever, you're going to get benched, and that's what's going to happen. Okay, cool. That's life. That's sports. But... At this point, how is how is this still happening? How are, are these kind of mistakes still happening to the point that you would bench a player and send a message to this degree four minutes into the game, especially a player who we're supposed to, or at least were at one point in time supposed to believe, was a tried-and-true legitimate part of the future? And I think that goes back to how many players on this roster are going to be on this roster. Even a year from – a year might be a little bit early, but two years from now, again – Wemby's obviously safe. Devin is safe. Jeremy, again, we can kind of talk about touch and go, but again, the one point, you know, just not not a good scene. But Keldon, no points in four minutes, and it, the <laughs> it looks like a joke. I mean, honestly, and and who are you, Spurs, to <laughs> who are you to come out and say you're not good enough to play for our team? I mean, the the Mount Pius effect to come out and say you know what you're not good enough to come lose by 19 points to the Jazz. Not here. You know, Nobody earns the right to lose by 19 points to the Jazz for us on Sunday, February 25th. Goldfinger123 in the Brigade Bar says, is it off-court discipline issues? I think it's just... I think they're just searching, and I think they're struggling. How could they not be, based on everything that we've seen? I think that they are doing everything in their power to have an answer. You ever take a test... Goldfinger one two three or anybody, and it's it's a, a open ended question, and you have to kind of you know maybe it's a physics test or a math test, and you have to do everything, and in parentheses it says show your work, and and you you come to an answer, and you're like this, there's no way this could be the answer. It, it it's not long enough, right? I'm I have to be wrong here. There's I I just need to fill something out. That's what the Spurs are doing here as we sputter down the rest of a putrid regular season effort they are trying to fill in the work and make it look like a believable answer they know it's going to be wrong they know they're going to fail this test they know they're going to have to retake and repeat this class but at the very least they can feel some sense and semblance of pride if the answer looks like a regular one relative to the rest of the class pumba grubs in the brigade bar says first answer going to storm the court if they win any game at this point, you know, storming the court might be a, a dying thing 
in the world of basketball. We'll get into that later on today as well. We already fought through the powers of connection issues. The microphone is back on track. I told you earlier, you may have you know, not totally uh, took it or understood it, but we may or may not have a surprise for you later on this morning. Rob Thompson out, but my name is RG Ochoa. You, you stick right there. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking, of course, right after this about the NFL Combine kicking off and what you can kind of expect as far as NFL storylines to come. We're back after this here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hi, it's Jason Minnix. You're listening to the Home of the Cowboys, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hello and good morning. This is the morning huddle. You're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. My name is R.J. Ochoa. Rob Thompson out today. Looking forward to hearing the Blitz later on this afternoon. Joe Reinagle riding Han style. That's solo, for anybody unaware. Uh, we may or may not have a surprise for you in store around the morning huddle about, uh, I don't know, about 8 a.m. Thinking, you know, I'm thinking when we might, you know, pull the, uh, the drape off and show you the surprise. Uh, but for now, we have um, an important conversation that has to happen. And it is about the most important thing ever, basically. The NFL Combine kicks off this week. And this really is an important week. I know that people refer to it as the Underwear Olympics, and they think it's nothing but players running around and, um, you know, 40-yard dashes and throwing at players they don't know and, you know, doing shuttle drills and things like that. The most important things that happen at the NFL Combine have nothing to do with the Combine itself. This is um, one of a few tentpole events for the NFL over the course of the offseason. Obviously, the Super Bowl is kind of what kicks things off. And on, you know, There are two teams involved in that, so not necessarily a true offseason event for them. Uh, you have things like owners' meetings, et cetera, et cetera. But what is important about the NFL Combine is it presents an opportunity for all sorts of NFL dignitaries to be in the same place all at once, to be able to break bread, maybe have a steak and a shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's there in Indy, uh, and to be able to broker deals, to be able to discuss things. It's not just even for people associated with NFL teams, but agents, representatives, representation for different players, obviously. This is where the groundwork is laid for contract extensions, and notably for trades and for discussions like that. It's the first time that people bump elbows and say, Hey, you know, AJ Brown, you know, what, how you, how you, what's up? You know what I mean? You you talk about things. You figure things out. There's a, a value in that happening with so many people around and, and the interconnecting and the interweaving of all those sorts of things. Now, it is important to note that after we have just highlighted, um, <laughs> you know, the value that being there can provide, Mike McCarthy and Mike Zimmer, the uh, the Mike and Mike of the Dallas Cowboys, if you will, they will not be in attendance um they will not be at the nfl combat they're not the only ones uh sean mcveigh of the los angeles rams not expected to be in indianapolis this week uh neither or neither is robert sala of the new york jets and you know i don't think that there's any panic necessarily that's worth having as a result of that but um this is where the cowboys have a real chance and the texans for that matter but they don't have as many pressing issues the texans don't have all these contracts coming up to bear the NFL, or the Dallas Cowboys, excuse me, have the pending contract situation of Dak Prescott. They have the pending contract situation of C.D. Lamb. They have the pending contract situation of Micah Parsons. And it is very likely that between the three of them, they are going to take home 
um, or, or be on the books for, maybe the more apt way of putting it, over $100 million per year. When it's all said and done, the of the Dallas Cowboys' apportioned salary cap, and we found out on Friday that that number is bigger than expected. Uh, a lot of people thought the salary cap would be somewhere around $243 million. There was chatter that it could be up to $250 million. Um, Dr. Evil would freak out because the NFL cap is set at $255.4 million. That is a lot of money, obviously. And so for the Cowboys to have to figure things out with Prescott, Liam, and Parsons is obviously difficult, but they have more room to work with than they initially thought, um, which is why they have no excuse if they don't get something like this done. Now, there was a report from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler over the weekend that the Cowboys and Prescott have not had any substantive talks yet relative to a contract discussion. I'm not calling Jeremy Fowler a liar, but I don't I don't buy that. It's just not possible given the situation and the context surrounding Prescott's deal specifically. If you've been paying attention all along and you've been listening here on 941 San Antonio Sports Star to the morning huddle or the blitz, and if you miss us live, of course, make sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can always rewatch things and we cut up and put uh, things you need to see there in individual videos. But um, Dak Prescott's cap number right now, as it stands for the 2024 season, is we're going to round up here because it's easier $60 million. That is $60 million. Even in a pie that is as large as $255.4 million. That's just not a tenable situation. And so the Cowboys have to adjust and take care of that, not only in general, but before free agency begins, which is on March 13th in an official capacity, but March 11th in an unofficial and illegal tampering one. Um, so the idea that nothing substantive has happened yet and that it's all going to happen over the course of two weeks feels rather unlikely to me. Everything right now is a game of he said, she said, posturing, narrative driving, narrative producing, trying to gain the upper ground. Shout out, of course, to Obi-Wan and Anakin. That is what this time of year is all about, all the chatter, all the discussion, which is why the combine is kind of the epicenter of things like that. Um, But Prescott, not alone, as mentioned, in needing a new deal from the Cowboys, he is set to enter the final year of his current contract, as is CeeDee Lamb, as is Micah Parsons. And something interesting on Micah Parsons, and I think that you could say that about a lot of things, Uh, But on Friday, we found out not only what the salary cap was for this year, but we found out what the fifth-year option numbers were for the class of 2021. If you don't know what that means, first-round draft picks in the NFL, every rookie in the NFL that's drafted has a four-year contract. But if you're a first-round draft pick, obviously you're taking it in the first round, you have a fifth-year option, which means after three years of service, when you're getting set to enter your fourth year, which is where Micah Parsons is at, the team has a decision to make as to whether or not they want to pick up a fifth-year option for you. It's an op- Obviously, it's an option. Um, there's a value that is expensive. It's more on par with what players make relative to your position in terms of NFL veterans. Um, and we found out what that number is. And, and the Cowboys will obviously pick up Micah Parsons' fifth-year option. Twenty. It's, I'm going to round down here. $24 million, and that is for next year. So Micah Parsons' cap number, at the very least, because this is a fully guaranteed year's uh, worth of payment, will be $24 million. So the conversation doesn't really start at $24 million per year for Micah Parsons, but um, $24 million is is the really, 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 really low floor 
uh, for Micah Parsons. He's definitely going to make a lot of money. I mentioned the class of 2021. Uh, Parsons is not the only Cowboys player that was taken in the first round of that draft. You may have forgotten this, but the Cowboys did trade their fourth-round draft pick in this year's draft to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for quarterback Trey Lance. Now, those of you who say, get rid of Dak, just play Trey, blah, 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 this is why this plan has never made sense. The Cowboys have to decide now, this offseason, whether or not they want to pick up Trey's fifth-year option for next year. He is on the books for 2024. But Trey Lance's fifth-year option for next year, for 2025, we're going to round, uh, let's call it $22.4 million. There's just no way the Cowboys, even if they do pay Dak, are going to say, yeah, we're willing to fully guarantee $22.4 million for our backup quarterback maybe next year. The timing of this trade just never made sense with the Cowboys in terms of the timing of Dak Prescott's deal, and, and they, they spent a fourth-round draft pick to do it. I mean, and beyond that, if you really want to bag on the Cowboys, they're going to have to decline this option for Trey Lance, which means he's going to enter a contract year uh, here in 2024, which is fine. But if you did think maybe the Cowboys could trade him to somebody else and at the very least recoup their investment, who's going to trade for a quarterback that is entering the final year of his contract? That that team, whoever, just pick a team, whoever you think it's going to be, they're not going to want to be on the hook for this because then they're going to have to bet against the open market if and when Trey Lance does play very good for them. Um, so the whole Trey Lance trade, I wouldn't say blew up in the Cowboys' face because this information was known what we found out in a factual sense on Friday was the actual option number. We had an approximation, but uh, like I said, we do now know what it is. We know what Parsons is. There's a lot of checks that the Cowboys are going to have to be riding very, very, very soon into their top-tier, high-level playmakers. And even after those decisions, they're going to have to figure out, do they want to bring back Tyron Smith? Do they want to bring back Stephon Gilmore? Do they want to try to figure something out with Tyler Biotish? Um It's... It's an expensive thing to be good uh, in the NFL. Um, and even if if you don't feel it to be an expensive thing, that's why you have to continue to draft. Well, that's why that's such an important part of the overall process. And that process begins in earnest this week, as mentioned, at the NFL Combine. But while all these things are happening there, Mike McCarthy and Mike Zimmer will not be there. Is that a big deal? Or do you have a problem with the Mikes, Mike and Mike, for the Cowboys not being at the NFL Combine? We'll get into it right after this on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Hello and huddle up. It is the morning huddle. We are 94-1 San Antonio Sports Star. Rob Thompson out today. My name RJ Ochoa. You know me. You love me. Admit it. Admit it to yourself. It's the first step. I love you. That's the most important thing to say and to acknowledge around here. Um, I, I said we, we had a surprise in store um, about 8 o'clock. Um, I know we had a, a you know a bit of turbulence getting off the ground here this morning. It's Monday. All right, everybody be cool. Um, but apparently we're ready, ready to, you know, we're ahead of schedule. Joe Reinagle from the Blitz, who's going to be flying Han style later on today, just wanted to do a lot of radio. Joe, good morning to you. Yeah, why not? And and everybody can see how lovely I look in the morning. Uh, I appreciate you letting me sleep in a little bit, RJ. It was nice of you. Yeah, uh, you're a big coffee person. Um, I am, yes. I sure am, buddy. And I have a nice hot cup right here. Uh, Joe, you came in at the perfect time. We're going to get to silver and black in a little bit, but 
I said right before the break, I asked people whether they thought it was a big deal or not that Mike McCarthy and Mike Zimmer were not going to be at the NFL Combine this week. Is that a big deal to you? I, I don't think it's a big deal. Not at all. I mean, they can do a lot more where they're at uh, with Zoom and the technology and all. I don't think it's a really big deal. A lot of coaches don't make it, right? I mean, uh, so no, I don't think it's a big deal. And, and I know some people probably want to make it a big deal, but nah, I think it's I fine. I thought you were going to come in guns blazing about how this was you know, horrible and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a little disappointed, if I'm being honest. Well, I mean, you know, I, it, I, look, I don't just bash on the Cowboys to bash on the Cowboys. I That's do, not true. You know, I, I tell the truth when it's appropriate to tell the truth. And some people don't like it like that. But, uh, you know, I'm a truth teller, RJ. That's what I do. I agree with you for what it's worth that it's not a big deal. Um, it's it's interesting Sean McVay is not going to be there, and and that comes out. Nobody bats an eye. Robert Sala is not going to be there. He's been um he's been kind of neutered as head coach, well with Aaron Rodgers, and so I don't know <laughs> that anybody really cares what Robert Sala is doing. But Mike McCarthy's in a situation where everybody's looking for some sort of reason to say why he's dumb and this is dumb and everything's dumb and stupid. Um, last year he didn't attend because he was putting together the offensive game plan, and that kind of worked out. So, I mean, I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt, at least, to say, you know what, I'm not part of the scouting department. I don't need to be there. I'll zoom in when appropriate, to your point. Yeah, and when they want to talk to a player, that's that's perfectly okay. But, you know, Jerry and Steven will be there and, and, uh, and taking center stage, and that's really all that matters, certainly to me anyway, and you, because that's great content anytime Jerry opens his mouth. Uh, so that's a, that's a good thing. But, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. I you know the combine is the combine but i think nfl teams cowboys whoever you're talking about they, they've got a pretty good idea of what direction they want to go and what players they're looking at so uh unless somebody just you know poops the bed really badly at the combine i don't think it's a big deal i will say it's probably got to be interesting if you're a prospect and you go hang out with the cowboys and it's whatever and then you're talking to your buddy like hey joe i had a meeting with the cowboys and then joe says yeah, me too. They zoomed in Michael McCarthy. And you're, you're just like, they didn't, uh, they didn't zoom him in for me. You know, like that's, that's gotta be a, an interesting kind of, um, you know, perspective. Ace and his lame dad on, uh, on, in the brigade bar. See, we care about our, our chat enough to name it, Joe. I know you guys don't on the Blitz. Wait so. a minute. Wait a minute. The name is what? The brigade the, bar? Yeah, that's the name of the chat. The brigade bar. You know, again, okay. you guys could have done something cool with the Blitz, but, well, you know. That's, that's up to y'all. Anyway, uh, uh, Ace. They, <laughs> they got to uh, earn it first, RJ. You know what I mean? Ace and his lame dad said, in the aforementioned brigade bar, it's not really a big deal for them to not make it, but considering how last season ended, you would think there would be a little more urgency. I think to the point, Joe, that they might be at home because it does feel urgent. They might be at home saying, we got to work on, on that. They're assembling a defensive staff. Mike McCarthy obviously has to oversee that. They're getting on the same language. They're laying the proper foundations. I do think that this actually is representative of an urgent move. In fact, last year, McCarthy did go for kind of the opening statement and then immediately flew home. He's not doing that at all here, which, again, suggests that they're taking this kind of seriously. Well, it's, it's, look, uh, we say the Cowboys are taking it serious every year, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't get to where you know where we want it to be, or, or Cowboy fans certainly want it to be. But look, RJ, I... I think Mike McCarthy is is being done a disservice. 
And I don't know wow. if this has anything to, anything to do with why he's not there or if that even matters. But, yeah, it, there's a lame duck. I, you know, to me, the Cowboys would have been better off either firing the guy or giving him a contract extension. I mean, what is I he going to do? I mean, uh, what, it's, it's a, wait a the, minute. What did you say? Buy into us. Uh, they're making no, 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 him no. dance. To your point, yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they're making him dance, which is <laughs> is at, at the very least unkind. You know what I'm saying? It's a mean thing to do, but it also is not going to serve you know either side of this coin because if if he performs really well, then you have to really, really, really double down. And if he fails, well, he failed. That means you failed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just right. it, it, it's not a good thing if Mike McCarthy fails for anyone involved. And that's why people who were like, "Oh well, what do you? Who, how do you expect them to hire a defensive coordinator when Mike McCarthy's in a contract year?" They could have fixed that. That was on them. They, like they had all the power in the world to fix that. So uh, maybe they said, "We're not going to give you a contract extension. We're not going to allow you to expense the trip to Indianapolis and uh, the shrimp cocktails and everything like that at St. Elmo. So you just got to stay home. You got to eat all the Pepsi products that we have uh, there at the star, and you, you're going to take it, and you're going to be happy with it." Um, Joe, you were um, you were traveling late Sunday night, so we appreciate you getting up early. Did you happen to watch uh, or catch up on the Spurs game and the latest loss of the season? I did. I actually did uh, listen to some of it on the radio and then uh, and caught the end of it once I got here to the house. Um, you know, I, I I said this on Friday, RJ. It was kind of like I, I just don't really have anything to do with the Spurs right now. It's just like I, I don't even know what to think of them. Keldon Johnson gets benched early in that game and and it's just i don't know what they're trying to do i really don't and and if somebody could help me with that then i would appreciate it but i it's it's hard to get invested in this ball club right now we're gonna help everybody out with that because coming up next uh we have silver and black we do it every day talk all things spurs which these days means we're talking about a lot and a lot and a lot of losses. Two of them since we last spoke to you. One on Friday, one on Sunday. Spurs drop games to L.A., to Utah, and we're talking about how broken they are, except for one guy. His name is Victor Wembanyama. Go get a coffee, go get a donut, get a kolache for Joe Reinego. We'll be back with more after this on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Talk. Wembanyama behind the back here. Oh! Little sidestep and a jam by Wimbanyama. This is the Morning Huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. Now, here's Rob and R.J. Hi, hello there, and good morning. It is... The Morning Huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Rob Thompson out today. The incomparable Easy E on the ones and twos. My name is RJ Ochoa. With us here this morning, a very special treat. The internationally famous Joe Reinagle. Joe, <laughs> top of the morning to you. Good morning, RJ. It's good to be with you this morning. Joe, it's 7 o'clock, which means it's time for Silver and Black. And I, I want to kind of come into this in a certain way. I think uh, okay. sometimes... Sometimes I can have an eclectic sort of thought process. I think that that's pretty well known. Um, you you got a coffee in your hand? You put sugar in there? I don't. No, I'm a, I'm a straight black guy. Okay. No cream. Well, that, no sugar. No nothing. That doesn't really work for the analogy, but we're just gonna go and pretend that you do. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, fine. Yeah. Well, so you're a fan of the song "Pour Some Sugar on Me," right? At the very sure. least. 
Uh-huh. Something yes. that something that's always bothered me about the song is so the whole premise is pour some sugar on me, right? In the bridge, he says, "Do you take sugar?" He's asking whoever's involved here. And then what does he say after that? Yeah, you got me, dude. I he don't says, know. "Do you take sugar?" And then he says, "One lump or two." Okay, oh, okay. that's what he says in the yeah. song. Uh-huh. So we've est- we've established that the unit of measurement of sugar, you know, the sugar available comes in lumps. But he's asking you to pour it on him. So we're just going to pour a bunch of lumps of, sh- you know, it's not like grainy. He's not saying, "Do you want a teaspoon of sugar? Do you want a, a packet of sugar?" He's saying, "Do you do you want a lump of sugar? Pour some of these cubes on me. There would be nothing." cool or sexy about this process it would actually be maybe dangerous to have all these lumps of sugar you know kind of falling in your eyes um yeah so i've always thought of the song that way and again that's the way my brain works um i don't know what to think of the san antonio spurs at this point i'm i'm out of options i'm out of thoughts i'm out of really just kind of patience for them dropping another one on sunday night to the utah jazz 128 109 they, of course, lost on Friday night to the Lakers. But Wemby did drop a 5-for-5. Five five. That was pretty cool. We got that toy, that, you know, bright and shiny, you know, brand-new piece of NBA history. Added to the collection of Wemby's can't-believe-he-did-that collection. Meanwhile, the Spurs lost their 400th game in a row. You know, it, it, again, it's sad, and I said this going into the break. I, I really don't know what to think of this team because I don't think it's going to look anything like it looks now come next year. At least I hope it doesn't. I, and I really hope that the Spurs are aggressive in the offseason, and I think that's what Spurs fans can hold on to right now. When I watch these games and watching and listening to that game last night, it sounded like a very – well, first of all, I guess we could give them the excuse that they were tired, right? Oh, third Joe, game, third game in four nights. Although they are the youngest team in the NBA, so uh, that shouldn't matter. Uh, but it was a very lazy game to me uh, watching it. The Spurs just kind of going through the motions, uh, and, and and boy, I, especially the way they started out, it was just like uh, they'd rather been anywhere else than Salt Lake City, Utah. Which you know, I mean, I necessarily can't blame them for that but um i just don't know what to think of this team and i think it's going to look much different as uh, we go into next year than it does now and for me rj quite honestly man i just don't understand why the spurs chose to do what they're doing this year it just seems like a wasted year to me for uh for the uh, a talent such as Wimbanyama. you go through tanking and there's always a a level of discourse, right? When a team's in a tanking situation, I want to tank because I want to improve. I want to get the number one pick, whatever. No, you, I, every game matters. You play to win the game, all these stupid things that you heard in high school a million different times. Um, but we did it. We we actually did that thing. And and not only did we do that thing, but we got the number one overall pick. Like, that's one reason you do it. But, and then you do that so that you hope that that guy is amazing. That happened. <laughs> like, like we already, yeah. we went, we went through the hard part of all this. And, they're, that they're worse with Wimby is so unfathomable. You, I agree with you. It was a really lazy effort, and you can. I know you don't. You're not actually excusing them, but you can miss me with this. Oh, they're tired. Crap. Like it's the rodeo road trip, man. Like they're not unfamiliar with this. <laughs> you know, like well, welcome to playing for the San Antonio Spurs, and even then, welcome to just life in the NBA. Um, and so. I, I feel like the Spurs, for the most part, have done a great job of towing the company line of, no, this is the season, everybody's got to be patient. But it did feel like on Sunday we saw a little bit of a crack in that armor 
Uh, Keldon Johnson was benched after four minutes, and this felt honestly kind of stupid to me. I mean, because <laughs> of uh, because and if if Denver does something like this, right? If one of the best teams in the NBA does, you're like, okay, cool, send a message, right? Like we we're all with you. But who the hell are you, Spurs, <laughs> to act like? You know, we've, we've got to bench Keldon Johnson. I mean, we, we've got to really prove a point here. Uh, Mitch Johnson spoke after the game, obviously, on what happened here, why Keldon was benched after just four minutes of play. Just repetitive mistakes. Sometimes you need to change up the messaging or change up the accountability or how you do things and Pop's the best at it. So, Accountability, you know Joe. Accountability. Well, look. Keldon Johnson, I, and I, if I was a gambling man, which I am, RJ, I, I would bet that he, they are going to try and see him in a different uniform next year. And I think that's just the way it is. I don't think he has responded the way they hoped he would uh, when they drafted him and, and brought him along. And so I, I think he's not long for San Antonio. And I think what Pop was doing with benching a guy like Keldon Johnson, he's, he's been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And these guys are just not getting any better. And they're not. They're making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I think if you're Greg Popovich, you got to say, well, I mean, at, at some point, I got to start taking drastic action. I think Pop has coddled these guys in, in ways that I have never seen Greg Popovich do before. And everybody tells me, well, it's a new brand of of of, of player and and kids today, and yada yada yada. And I just don't buy that. You play professional basketball, you either do it right or you don't do it at all. And if you're afraid to get yelled at, well, then maybe you should uh, find another profession. I agree with you entirely. Maybe that, I mean, you know, the the generation or whatever is kind of I think whatever. But the the weird thing for me here is now you're this person. Like like we've been we've been asking you to be this this team this level of disciplinarian all season long because the, these kinds of mistakes are like like why was it enough all of a sudden on February 25th? You know what I mean? Like it it just feels um. It, it kind of feels like, you know, when, when you know, uh, somebody has maybe some unruly kids and and family or, or friends come over and the kid does something that they've done all the time. They go and they get a snack out of their fridge. What are you doing? And the kid's like, dude, what are you <laughs> like? You've never cared before when I would when I would break the rules like this. Now, all of us. And I don't know what they're trying to save face for. Maybe they just maybe they finally say, you know, let's just try something different. You know, what's going to happen? We're going to lose another game. And in that respect, I guess I kind of applaud them for, for at least not losing the exact same way. And it's really sad that that's what it's come down to is that, hey, at least you lost in a slightly different manner than you did on Friday night against the Lakers. You know, and that's what's funny about it, RJ, is we're applauding the Spurs for the way they played against Sacramento and the Los Angeles Lakers. They hung in there. They didn't get blown out. Uh, you know, especially that Sacramento game, it was a game that they – they had a chance to win that thing. Uh, and, and that's what it's come to. And that's what's sad about it all is the fact that we're, we're applauding these guys for just staying close. Uh, look, I, I, I don't care if Spurs fans are spoiled. I don't care what the answer is. You deserve, if you're a paying fan, or, or even if you're not, if you're a Spurs fan, you deserve the best product that can be out on the floor. And the Spurs failed miserably with that. And, and, and again, I, I, I don't think anybody will ever admit it in the Spurs front office, but this was a disaster, and it's been a waste 
for me at least uh, for Victor Wimbanyama's first year and I know that he's playing well and seems to be adjusting to the NBA and that's the one positive we'll take out of this but for you not to surround this kid with some some better talent some veteran leadership uh, to me is just a, a huge mistake the Spurs turned the ball Joe over 20 times on Sunday night 20 and if that sounds like a lot like, it's one thing when you hear a stat like that, and you're like, oh, that that's probably a lot. And then you find out, that's actually kind of normal. Uh, but they turned the ball over 20 times. That was the most that a team had in an NBA game since the Clippers last year on February 24th. Yesterday was February 25th. So it was almost the exact one-year anniversary. Um, and you do this one day after history. Or not one day, one game after history. On Friday night, Wimby dropped a 5-for-5 five five night, 5-by-5 five five again. Uh, whatever nomenclature you want to use against the Lakers. He was the first rookie to do this since Jamal Tinsley in 2001 and became just the second player to have five blocks and five steals in consecutive games joining Michael Jordan. This is the dude that we're talking about, and then they're getting waxed by the Jazz. I mean, it's just it's it's really difficult to believe that these things are happening simultaneously. Well, it is, and it's sad. It really is to me. It's sad. And and look, when 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 David Robinson came into this team, he had some veteran leadership around him. When Tim Duncan came here, there was some veteran leadership around him. And and for the Spurs to choose to just go as is with this team, and 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 maybe I'll give them a little bit of a break, RJ, because I mean, let's face it, they won twenty two games last year. So you figure the same team, you add Wimbanyama, uh, they'll be a little bit better. Well, they're worse. Give them some time to get get used to this nah. guy, get all of that. But now, I mean, we're the season's almost over, and they're not getting any better. And that's why I believe you've got to you got to look at this team in, in completely clean house. But there's got to be some veteran leadership uh, in the mix here, and, and whether that's superstars uh, like a Trey Young or just veterans that are you know mid level guys, you got to get them in here. And 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 Wimby needs that. He needs that on the floor. You can have Tim Duncan all day long at the practice facility. But you need a guy that can say, hey, did you see what that guy just did to you there? Here's what you need to do to counter it. That on-the-spot stuff is what Wimby is not getting right now. Wimby was asked about this phenomenon on Friday night and about the comparison to Jordan specifically, and he said, I wonder if he did it in wins. And uh, for what it's worth, MJ did. I kind of like that. I kind of like the passive aggressiveness from Wemby. Like, I agree with you. It would be wonderful to have veteran leadership. I'm, sign me up for Trey Young right now. Whatever you want, let's do it. Like, I'm absolutely on board with that. But at the very least, Wemby, and I, I know it's unfair to expect him to do more on top of the just stupid, Herculean, amazing things he's already doing, but that's that's what happens when you're this great of a player. And so the veteran leadership is not going to come from the rookie. Um, and so I kind of like that, you know, again, that little dig, you know what I mean? That like, oh yeah, well we're losing and like, he's pissed off. He's an all world talent. Like he's not used he to being be. the, the joke of anything like this. He should be pissed off. I mean, I would be the guy's used to winning. Uh, and again, there was a learning curve for him getting into the NBA and understanding what, uh, how to do it. Because look, it's a, it's a higher level than anything he's ever done. I don't care. There's no you know, knock on the French league, but the NBA is the best talent in the world, the best athletes in the world. There's no question and there's no argument for that. So it would it takes him a little time to get things, uh, you know, understand how things work in the NBA. And he's done that. He's showing that he belongs. He's showing that he can play. The problem is he's got nobody to play around him. 
Uh, Devin Vassell seems to be playing well, and and I, and I think he's a he's a piece moving forward. Other than that, RJ, I'm not sure that anybody else is. Jeremy Sohan was a disaster last night. I mean, the guy looked like he never played basketball in his life, <laughs> and so I, I I just think that everybody besides Wimby and possibly Devin Vassell. Uh, is expendable at this point, and I think the Spurs have got to make this team look a lot different than it does uh, by the start of next season. Yeah, if you look like um, like Charles Barkley after the Monstars took his talent, it's not a good look for you, Jeremy. Um, not at all. So, yeah, actually, before you joined this morning, I opened the question to the Brigade Bar and to the world at large. Um, I saw a tweet last Friday, I think it was Friday, it might have been Thursday, that said something like, how many Spurs outside of Wimby, obviously, on this roster are on it in ten years? And my my mental thought was like ten years. Pff, I was like, I can't. There's no definitely nobody, but even two years from now, I mean, Wimby and Devin. That's it. Like they're the only ones that I would. I don't even know that I would bet on Devin being on the roster in two years. I mean, you said you're a gambling man. Would you Would you gamble on Wimby's again? An obvious name. But would you gamble on even Devin being on in this roster? Because no, I would bet that nobody outside of at least the two of them is going to be on this team in 2026. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I hope not. I mean, I really <laughs> do. I hope the fact that that there is a big change. Uh, Spurs have plenty of money. They've got a closet full of draft picks. Uh, they're going to have another high draft pick, if not the number one draft pick this year, because they're going to be back in the lottery. They're going to have uh, a lot of opportunities to get that number one pick. And it's what do you do with it? Everybody looks at Oklahoma City, RJ, and says the Spurs are trying to model themselves after that. Well, okay, that's fine. But you got to draft well. Oklahoma City has done that. The Spurs have not, and and if you're looking at a Keldon Johnson, uh, it looks like, to me anyway, that uh, maybe that was not a good pick. Josh Primo, not necessarily the Spurs' fault. The guy was a weirdo. So, I mean, that's the way that worked out. But, I mean, you got to draft well. Just because you have draft picks doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to build a franchise and build a championship team. You have to draft well, and the Spurs have got to get it right, but they've got to get a mix of veterans in here as well. I agree with you, and I want us to remember this energy. I got so mad, um, and we were talking about this in Vegas, but I got so mad at Cowboys fans, as an example, who were like, oh, man, the Mike Zimmer hire is amazing. And I was like, man, y'all were just pissed off like two weeks ago. What happened? Where, where did that energy go? You know what I mean? Now all of a sudden you're willing to kind of come back, and I get that sports are more fun when the team, when, you know, when we enjoy the teams that we root for. But remember how this feels on February 26th. Remember how pissed off you are after another four-game, whatever-game losing streak, however many it's going to get up to right now. Remember that if and when, Joe, the Spurs don't trade for Trey Young. Because if and when something like that doesn't happen, there's going to be all these people in Spurs Twitter, oh, no, this is all, just trust them, trust them. No, like, remember how this feels. Because if they do trade, Again, Trey Young just kind of represents a hypothetical here. If they tra- if they don't do anything like that, then there's no reason to trust them, right? Like this was not this. It, I would argue it isn't even worth it now. You're throwing away an all-time season. Granted, it's the rookie one for Wimby, but you're throwing it away in the name of future production, future building, whatever. If you don't take a serious move in the offseason, then we have absolutely no reason to believe that you're ever going to do it. They have to, and I, I just don't see them not doing that. I think that uh, that you're going to see some serious movement in the offseason. I think that, look, Pop wants to win. They know what they have. 
in, in Wimbanyama, and, and you can't build the team the way it is currently constructed. We've seen that. It's been a, a miserable failure. You go out, you change things up, and you build around Wimbanyama. But I, I still believe that you've got to have some guys that have been in this league a while that can help this guy. Pop said it the other day, they need shooters. They're going to have to go out. He's already indicated that you got to go out and find some shooters. And I'm not sure you're going to find that in the draft that will help you right away. Um, uh, Spurs, again, plenty of money, draft picks to trade with and to play with, and, uh, and there, there's no reason that this – administration the management of the spurs doesn't go out and be very aggressive this offseason they have to be and nobody's saying that we want to you know they're going to win a championship next year but for goodness sake they won 11 games this year i mean can we can we get to 25 maybe 30 i mean let can we see some improvement i haven't seen any improvement at all in this ball club this year other than victor Wimbanyama. they've won 11 games and this is a silly way to measure it but that's okay. What like can you close your eyes and think of like, damn, what a game they played. Like what what game comes to mind? When you can can you can you think of one this season? I got to go all the way back to the Phoenix games when they beat the okay. Suns back to back early in the season. Okay. Yeah, those games and and they did beat Minnesota, right? At at one point uh, win at home. That was a pretty good game. There, there's That's been, mine. Right, flashes but and here's the issue, too. You don't think the Timberwolves remember that? Spurs have to go there tomorrow night. <laughs> so that, oh, that could get ugly really quick. Well, they um, there's a lot of retribution to be paid, um, I think, on that front. On, along those lines, were you affected by the um, the service outage as the weekend I begins? Was. Yeah, I've got AT&T service. Um, and well, so, I just saw yeah, something. I was. And, I saw something right now that AT and I guess a congratulations to you. AT and T is apparently going to reimburse customers five dollars. Did you have you seen this yet? Really, I have yeah. not. I'll take it. <laughs> so you're gonna get five dollars as a as some retribution <laughs> for the service that you lost. I I do like because how would you quantify that? Like how would you say, oh, you lost whatever I don't know, sixteen hours worth of service. Like that that's worth uh, two dollars and nineteen cents, whatever. But so. You get five dollars as retribution. What could the Spurs give you outside of a title next year that would serve as retribution? What would what could be the five dollars? For me, it is Trey Young. That and I'm gonna put that specific name, not what he represents. You gotta go get somebody out that can handle this. You you've got to go get a, a general. You've got to go get somebody who can distribute things because Trey Young can make a lot of this look better. I love the ball in Wemby's hands, don't get me wrong, but you need somebody who is a tried-and-true veteran, somebody who can move, somebody who's agile, quick, et cetera, et cetera. If you get Trey Young, that's my $5 for my power or my service outage. Well, that's uh, I, I would even go as far as to say that might even be 10, RJ. <laughs> so uh, okay. that, that, would, that would be great, and I would love to see that. Look, everybody says the point guard is, is no longer, and it's not necessary. I completely disagree. As much as people want to change the game of basketball, it stays the same to me. You need a quarterback on the floor, and that's what a point guard is. Uh, and you get a guy in there like a Trey Young who can do that. That, that would be fantastic. Um, but get somebody. Get somebody, uh, you know, uh, Jones, Trey Jones is, is, is fine. He's adequate. I think he'd make mm. a great uh, guy off the bench. If you want to keep him around, that's fine. But uh, y- you need to get somebody that can lead this team and that can that can help Wimbanyama be even better. I mean, I just think we're scratching the surface with Wimby. And, we're and not even scratching the do. surface. We're, like, we're, it's, 
This is the the free sample of ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Like the, it's the little <laughs> spoon before you actually pick a flavor uh, to ultimately say like, oh, I want you know chocolate chip or a cookie dough or whatever the case may be. But because I, I mean, like he's pulling on, like we're we're out of words to describe these historic achievements. I mean, Friday night was a masterpiece, and and LeBron was all impressed. Did you hear what LeBron had to say about um, how he's not with him every day? By the way, did you hear this? No, uh, tell me. Let me hear him. So LeBron, obviously, <laughs> highly impressed by Wimby. How could you not be? Uh, but he had a line about how he didn't, you know, he doesn't get to see Wimby every day. Well, let's just hear. This is uh, the king on uh, on what Wimby did on Friday night against the Lakers. He doesn't have a ceiling, so he do whatever he wants to do with his career. He seems like he enjoys the game. He seems like he puts the word just from the outside looking in. Obviously, I'm not with him on a day-to-day basis, but I said it a long time ago how special you know he was. And it's literally that simple. So LeBron's not with him every day. That kind of, if I'm really trying to read between the lines, Joe, that's like LeBron saying, I'll be your $5. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll be there every day. You know, like... <laughs> Just, just a, a interesting comment given the chatter about LeBron and, and the upcoming summer. You know, that's a that's a, a a fantasy wish. I think. I mean, who knows what LeBron's going to decide to do and where he wants to play with his kid. If it's a if it's a uh, package deal with LeBron and his kid, I, I'll pass. I oh, really will. Joe, come I, on, I, I'll, I'll I'll pass because look, his kid. Even if not you ready send Bronny to yet. Austin, that no, you have to. Bother? That's where he belongs. I just, I, I don't think LeBron's going to come here. Um, I hope I'm proven wrong uh, with that. It would be fantastic. Spurs fans would love it, and, and it would be outstanding. I don't think he's coming here. Um, but again, there are guys out there. There, and and with the money that Spurs have to have to spend, they can get it done. LeBron, the compliments. That's nice. That's very good. Uh, the only thing I would say about Wimby, RJ, is I wish he'd stop shooting threes. You know, I know he's a big guy that can shoot, but he doesn't make a lot of them. So um, if he just stopped the, doing that, I think he'd be perfect. If these were normal, if these were remotely normal circumstances, I would agree with you. At this point, what do we have to lose? Like at this point, what, what you're doing, Joe, is you're going to the circus and you're saying, I think it's weird that y'all sell cotton candy. You know what I mean? Just just sell peanuts. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? You know, <laughs> we're at the circus. That, that's That's where we're at right now. And so if he wants to shoot threes... So be it. If he doesn't, so be it. Work on the game. That's all. These are just glorified practices right now for the Spurs. And I hate to say that, but I mean the the facts kind of speak for themselves in that capacity. Uh, it, it, look, I agree with that completely. Uh, and and just get better if you're if you're Victor. Just right. get better over what the twenty some odd games left in the season. Just get better and and get ready for next season. You'll have a full off season uh, that you can work and and get better. But uh, look. I, it's hard to get invested in this team. It, it really is at this point in time because I truly believe it's going to look much different next year than it does this year. I don't know who's going to be here. So, you know, sometimes when you're a fan of a team, you're watching a guy, and, and other than Wimby, and everybody's watching Wimby, but you, you get invested. Well, you know, this guy, I see improvement over here. And this guy, well, you know, he, he's got potential. I just can't get invested in this team as it stands right now. It's going to be very difficult to continue to watch um, other than Wimby because he's the, uh, and I don't mean this disparaging, but he's the biggest attraction, the biggest clown that there is at the circus right now. Uh, And so that's what you're paying your money to see. Well, on the subject of investment and paying money, 
Dak Prescott is potentially in need of a contract extension with the Dallas Cowboys. Word is there have not been any substantial talks. I'm certain that Joe Ryan Angle has something substantial to say about that. We'll get into it right after this here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. The NFL is on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Time to get wild indeed. The Morning Huddle here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Rob Thompson out today. RJ Ochoa here. Joe Reinagel with the uh, the DH of the day. It's a busy day for you, Joe. Do you have a maybe a second or third cup of coffee on deck? Yeah, well, in fact, I just uh, just poured a third cup right now. So, wow. yeah, a third cup was uh, – you know, this is early. I usually get up about this time or so, uh, but take my time, have some coffee. I'll go to the gym about uh, 8 o'clock, 8.15, and then come home, start preparing for the show. So it's a little bit different, RJ. But the, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the powers that be there at uh, San Antonio Sports Star showed me how to do this thing from home, that, that was kind of nice. Yeah, well, they had to uh, install the satellite dish on your roof and, you know, put all the wiring right, through your living right. room and everything. So, I mean, it's it's a bit of a journey, but, you know, <laughs> it works um, at the very least. But we're grateful that it does. Um, you know, we knew we were going to be doing this together. We were all excited because uh, I said we're definitely going to talk Dak Prescott. Um, obviously, Dak Prescott is set to enter the final year of his contract with the Cowboys, has a $60 million cap hit. We all know the kind of facts as they lie. If the Cowboys, Joe, are going to extend Dak Prescott, and there's certainly logic to offer that idea as being the best one, it would behoove them to do so prior to the beginning of free agency on March 13th so that they can use the salary cap space they would generate to fulfill the rest or to fill out the rest of the roster. Uh, appearing on Saturday's Sports Center, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's representation haven't had any substantial talks. I kind of find this to be a whole lot of baloney just because I mean that's two weeks away. It just it, this it, this is you know this is posturing. This is you know one side negotiating, the other side negotiating, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you buy this? Do you buy that there haven't been any substantial talks between the Cowboys and Dak? I think there have been, RJ. But the, the thing is, that the Cowboys. This is par for the course, isn't it, with them and Dak Prescott, uh, with the two franchise tags, and then they waited until the price for quarterbacks went up, and they had to pay Dak the contract that he's currently under, uh, and and. I, you know, I love Jerry Jones. I do. I love the guy, but I don't know what in the world he was thinking with this contract for Dak Prescott because Prescott has got all the leverage in this thing, everything that he could imagine and, and want. And I just don't think Jerry's got any options here, honestly, other than to sign him to an extension if he wants to put a winning team on the field next year. Uh, he could let Dak play it out and all that, but we know the cap hit, and uh, they wouldn't be able to do much of anything else. So I, I don't think he has a choice here. And so, yeah, I think there have been talks. Uh, the Cowboys are going to try and, and get as friendly a deal as they possibly can. And I think Dak's saying, look, um, this could be my last big deal, and I'm not going to give an inch. You know, Joe, a lot of people have uh, typecasted you as a Dak Prescott hater, and you, you're, always of the, you're always saying, look, I just tell the truth. Everything you said was factual. i got to give you some, some props and some credit because <laughs> whether you like or hate Dak, and I don't mean you specifically, but you have to acknowledge that the Cowboys have just epically bungled this every step of the way. I'm pro player. I want each player in every sport to get as much money as humanly possible. 
But if you asked me how the Cowboys have handled this relative to their goals, which are to get the most bang for their buck, this has been a, a total and a colossal failure from day one when they began initial extension conversations with him after his rookie year. They dragged or drugged their feet in 2019 when the Eagles paid Carson Wentz and the Rams paid Jared Goff, and they thought that they could you know, weaponize the brand of the Cowboys, and they had all their henchmen go out and you know, kind of toe the company line, and even their alumni were saying, oh, there's a lot of value to being a Cowboy. That didn't work. It blew up in their face. They tagged him, and he, he you know, called them out, and it worked out for him. And because of all that, they had to do this deal at this exact length. They had to include the no tag clause, the no trade clause. You're right. Dak has all of it. And people say, well, why would they? Why did they do this deal? Because they had no choice when they gave him this extension. And they put themselves in a position where they were pinned in the corner. And then they're in the exact same spot now. And here we go. We're getting closer and closer and closer to the beginning of free agency. There are fewer and fewer grains of sand in the hourglass, Joe. And they're going to have no choice again. I mean, they're going to have to make Dak Prescott the highest paid player in the history of the NFL I think it's worth it in a general sense to pay him and keep him around because, like you said, it, it establishes that you have a chance at being a winning team and obviously at winning the Super Bowl, but it did not have to be this way. There has been zero effort to be proactive here from the Cowboys. They're always chasing their tail. Well, here's the deal, and, and to me it doesn't matter. They're going to pay Dak $60 million, $62 million I saw now with a new salary cap. That's where it could be in that range. Uh, look, paying Dak that kind of money – you're going to pay C.D. Lamb most likely, uh, and then you've got to still, you know, you can wait a little bit, I suppose, with a Micah Parsons. Look, R.J., I think the Cowboys' window is about this open. I mean, and I'm talking about an inch. I thought it was wide open last year, the best opportunity the Cowboys had had to move deep into the playoffs, if not to the Super Bowl. They blew that. They completely blew it. And now I think with all the money you're going to have tied up in three or four players, I think the Cowboys are in trouble. And Jerry Jones is all in. Okay, we'll re-sign our guys, and if that's what he means by that. I just don't think this team is going to be as good next year as it was this year. And so if you're a Cowboy fan, and I know you certainly are, I, I have no reason to be optimistic about the Cowboys doing anything next season uh, pretty much like they did this year. There's a, a phenomenon, I don't even say a phenomenon, just a fact of life called regression of the mean, right? Eventually, everything kind of stabilizes. And after 2021, when Trayvon Diggs had a million interceptions, it, it always felt, I mean, if there is anything in the NFL that doesn't stick year to year, it's things like that. It's defensive success. Generally, regression of the mean happens more commonly on the defensive side of the ball. Now, the Cowboys defense kind of fell apart over the second half of last season, but in all likelihood, they're going to be worse as an overall group. So you're going to have yeah. to put even more on the shoulders of the offense and therefore the literal shoulders of Dak Prescott. And you're, I, I agree with you that the window is closing, and I wouldn't say that's necessarily true because of the talent or the lack of it, but because it just gets harder. I mean, it, it gets harder and harder and harder, and the Cowboys have had the, the fortune, no pun intended, or the ability to be able to try to go at this with CeeDee Lamb on his rookie contract. You mentioned he's he's due up. He's entering the final year of his deal you do not want to do that because then you give him even more leverage. And that's another example. They could have paid CD a year ago. They, they could have, if they wanted to, extended him a year ago, and it would have costed a lot of money, but it would have costed a lot less than it's going to cost now because you waited, and he put forth literally the greatest statistical season that any Dallas Cowboys wide receiver ever has. And that's they just do not learn their lesson here, Joe, and that's what really bothers me. 
players are eligible for extensions after their first three seasons in the NFL. They didn't take advantage of that with Dak. They didn't take advantage of that with CD. And I get your logic in saying, oh, take care of Dak, take care of CD. Those are the more pressing ones. You, you know, don't have to worry about Micah Parsons. What if this coming season is finally the defensive play of the year season for Micah Parsons? What if, what if you drag your feet there and, you know, you, you always want to do, if you believe players to be cornerstones of your franchise, you want to take care of these as soon as possible because the price is only going to go up. And it's amazing that they still haven't learned that lesson with Dak. I mean, this is the second go around, more than that if you count all the tags with, with, that they've had with him relative to contract extension talks. And they continue to, for whatever far-fetched belief in, or, or reason to believe, oh, it's going to be different. We're, we're going to be the one team that doesn't have to make their quarterback the <laughs> highest-paid player in NFL history when 100% of recent history suggests that that is totally and completely not true. Dak is going to demand to, to be paid as a highest-paid quarterback just because he can. And he's got, again, all the leverage. You know, I, I don't know if if – I see all these rumors flying around and, and, and scenarios that a trade here, a trade there. That's not going to happen. Look, Cowboys got to sign this guy because Jerry backed him into a corner. He's got to get it done. And, and, and he'll get it done. And I think they will. What happens after that is going to be interesting to see. Cowboys, the, the problem is, RJ, the Cowboys have a lot of holes to fill. You talk about Dak, CD, and Micah. Well, you need somebody to replace Leighton Vander Esch. That was a glaring weakness in the Cowboys' defense. Uh, is Mozzie Smith going to be any better this year than he was last year? That's a big question mark. you got to find a running back. I, I think they can do that in the draft. That is the one position that they could do. Um, they'll save a little bit of money with Michael Gallup. I think he's gone. He'll be playing somewhere else if he's playing. Um, but they've got so much work to do and so many holes to fill. That offensive line's another thing. Tyron Smith, you keep that guy around and, and hope you get 12 games out of him. Uh, there's so many question marks for the Cowboys. It's not just the cornerstone guys that you're talking about. they got a lot of work to do, man, and I just don't know if they can get it all done. I don't think they can. They're, it's it's going to bite them somehow, some way. J4 says in the brigade bar, they better not wait for Justin Jefferson to get his contract before they pay CD. And all their attention has to be on Dak right now because that's the biggest contract that they're going to work up, obviously, over the offseason. But CD's is not going to – I mean, they'll be far behind because quarterback money's you know crazy. But CD's deal is going to be insane. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be the highest paid wide receiver contract in NFL history. But to the point, to Jay Force's point, you wait for Justin Jefferson to get paid. Guess what? The price goes up. Jamar Chase is eligible for an extension. You wait for him to get paid. Guess what? The price goes up. And they they have not learned that lesson. I mean, and it's amazing. I mean, they could Joe. They burned their hand on the stove time after time after time <laughs> after time. And they just keep putting their hand up there. I mean, like, what, what are you doing? I mean, it's it's insane. You have to do these things as soon as possible. And perhaps the combine offers, you know, the first, you know, face to face opportunity for them to meet with representatives for both Dak and CD, and and to kind of hammer these things out. But the Dak thing has to be done prior to the beginning of free agency. So, not only does Dak have all of the leverage, and and people act like he doesn't. There's not a crumb of leverage that Dak doesn't have. I mean, he literally has it all. And as the days go by, the the clock just continues to work and work more in his favor. I mean, I, I can't fathom, honestly, how they've really just put themselves on this. It's a masterpiece in ineptitude that they have wound up right here. 
Not only that, Dak Prescott probably threw a party on Friday when the salary cap numbers came out. He knows what they are. So does CD, so does Micah, and so does every other player that's up. They saw the money uh, that the teams now Micah have. Micah tweeted about it. To your point. Absolutely. And, and he should have. I mean, these guys, and look, I, I, I'm not, I don't begrudge anybody that, that's going to get paid. But this Dak Prescott contract, the one that is currently operating, has got to be the worst deal for any franchise that I've ever seen. And, and to Jerry's, I don't know, credit or, or defense, he thought that Dak Prescott was going to be the guy. When he signed him, he waited too long, but when they finally did it, he, I got my guy. This is the guy that's going to lead us to the promised land. Obviously, that hasn't happened, uh, but it, it was just a horrible deal for the Dallas Cowboys organization. Prescott loved it, and Prescott's going to love his new deal, and people are going to lose their minds, including me, although I've <laughs> kind of settled I've kind of settled into the fact that this guy's going to make $62 million a year for the next five years. Uh, um, and, and and you just have to live with it. But the Cowboys are going to live with it as the Washington Commanders get better, as the Giants have got to get better. They can't be much worse. And that division's going to get better. And there are a lot of good teams coming up, and it's going to be much harder for the Cowboys moving forward to get out of the NFC than it was just this prior year. Miggy V1203 says in the Brigade Bar, what did the lesson they learned is that they aren't going to extend Dak and they're going to plan without him. That will be a very expensive lesson, if so, because he counts for $60 million against the $255 million salary cap this year. And if you think Trey Lance is an option, well, we found <laughs> out his option year um, is is valued at $22 million for 2025, so that doesn't work out. We'll explain the intricacies of that in just a little bit. But coming up next, Joe, there is all sorts of discourse about storming the court uh, yeah. in basketball games, and so... Where are you at? Where is everybody at? We would love to hear from you. 656-ESPN, 656-3776. We had another fiasco happen with fans at Wake Forest storming the court against Duke. We're going to talk about it and uh, whether or not you're for it, you're against it, you think it should stay, you think it should be banned. Let us know what you happen to think. At Joe Ryan Eagle 210 on Twitter, at RJO Joe. We'll be back after this on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Talk. Hey, it's Jim Rome, and it's great to be back in San Antonio. Join me weekdays at noon on my new home, 94.1, San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. It is the morning huddle here on 94.1, San Antonio Sports Star. I'm RJ Ochoa. He is Joe Reinagle. Joe, what did you eat for dinner last night? Uh, last night for dinner, what did I have last night? Uh... You can do this. I had a Whataburger, actually, is what I had. Hey. Yeah, a little jalapeno uh, Whataburger with cheese, and it was delicious. Good for you. I um I have a friend who works for NFL Research, and she um that wasn't meant to be a humble brag, but uh, she tweeted at me last week that she had Whataburger. She's from California, and she was like, this sucks. And I was like, <laughs> you suck. Uh, but, uh, but in the photo... Um, the rapper was the white rapper and I, I, I quote tweeted him and it, I was so proud of my followers who were just dragging her. They were like, this doesn't even have cheese. You know, you did this wrong. So it was really cool to see. Um, so good for you doing it right. Um, of course, Joe, there is a high, high level of discord over the courts in basketball, college basketball specifically, um, over the weekend, Wake Forest beat Duke. And as a result, you know, Wake Forest, you get a win. You know, even though it was a – did you know, by the way, in, in the fallout of all this, Wake Forest was favored? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. So, I mean, 
that's you know, I, I've always kind of felt about uh, you know storming the court that like it's got to make sense relative to like it's got to be an upset, you know what I mean? Along you know whatever, but beyond all that, now we have some actual you know other things <laughs> to debate relative to this. But they beat uh, number eight seeded Duke, um, or number eight ranked Duke, excuse me. And Kyle Fabowski was run into by Wake Forest fans. And this is the second situation in recent memory with Caitlin Clark being the other, uh, where a player was affected in a physical sense by a storming of the court by fans. Fabowski suffered a knee injury, and he said that it felt intentional. Uh, Duke head coach John Shire called uh, for a similar sense of change. Your thoughts. Do you think we need to ban court storming in the world of college basketball and basketball at large? How, how do you ban it? What do you do when you've got hundreds of people rushing the court? How, how do you ban it? I mean, already there, there are fines in place, right? And they go up progressively uh, depending on how many times you do this. But I, I don't know how you stop it. Do you put a, an army of guards around the, uh, the gym floor uh, as the time expires? I don't know what you do with it other than, um, you know, make the fines or the penalties so severe that it hurts. And when you're talking about now, it seems like it would. What is a hundred grand for the first time, two fifty for the second, and then it could go up to half a million dollars. Uh, but I just don't know what you do. I, I don't know how it happened. And it's the same with football when they rush out onto the onto the field. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of people at once doing this, and uh, I, I I'm just not sure how you stop it, other than hiring an army of security guards. But even then, to your point, you know, in Football's a little different, uh, what with, you know, sudden changes and things like that. But in the world of basketball, you can go from losing to, to, you know, winning in the upset in a matter of seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you might not have any reason to believe that your fans are about to storm the court until it's happening. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, cause what if it's a buzzer beater? Who, you know what I mean? Who knows? And so, like, you can't, like, trot out the, the army or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, at any moment and then say, like, we're going to do this for every game, whether or not we're going to win. Um, now I think that we probably are headed towards a future that Frank Pateo outlined here in the brigade bar says, how about a rule announcement? Court storming is not allowed until all players and coaches have vacated. I could see maybe there's like, a, you know, in a, in a close to the end timeout, maybe there's a, a, you know, in stadium announcement, something like that. Like, please be mindful at the end of the game of players and personnel on the court, um, you know what I mean? Like that, but you're right. Like, how do you physically stop it? You can't. I mean, it's too many people. And, and like, how do you determine who to find? Like, what if the person who started running wasn't even the person whose idea it was? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, look, I just want to, Frank, I love you, man. RJ, you guys need to come back from Alice in Wonderland, okay? <laughs> because it doesn't matter whether you can make all the announcements that you want. I agree, but at least, you protect your, at, least, at least you protect yourself legally. You know what I mean? If you're the arena, you offer the announcement and you can... You can say, "Well, my hands are clean. We made the announcement." Type thing. I, I'm sure. I'm sure that they do that. I would assume that they do that. You can't storm the court. Um, yeah. Look, I don't know how you stop it uh, other than putting up a physical barrier uh, to keep fans from coming there, uh, coming across. And even then, uh, you know, I'm not sure you can stop it. It's unfortunate that it happened. I think in the Caitlin Clark situation. Um, I think she uh, un was was pretty much unscathed, right? Didn't really hurt her seriously. Now this this Duke player is a little bit different story. Um, you know the players got to be ready for it too in, in some ways, and I'm not saying it's their fault. They're out on the court trying to get back to the locker room, 
But it's going to happen. Kids are kids, right? And and uh, Wake Forest, I don't care if they're favored or not. They beat Duke. And everybody right. hates Duke. They hate North Carolina. You know, you hate Kentucky. And you, you end up beating those schools, and, and it's just uh, a little bit more enjoyable than all the rest. Jay Four says in the Brigade Bar, court storming is good for fans and television. I agree with that. It is, it is an aesthetically pleasing thing to kind of see happen. Says, my concern with banning is what's the next thing? How many players run into cameramen or slip into fans while making hustle plays? That's a great point. And then he said, do we remove cameramen? Do we push courtside seats further from the court? I mean, so to be clear, I'm not advocating for this, but I think if you're looking for a solution that you can apply to all arenas, maybe it's like um, like Final Four courts that are elevated. You know what I'm saying? Because at, at the very least, it, it's now a little bit more physically taxing to, to storm the court. You know what I mean? You can't just get a running start type thing, but that would suck. Like if every you know arena in the country was elevated, it would just look weird. You know, Because even those Final Four courts look kind of weird. Like It looks like a dugout when the players are sitting there. I love Bernard Campbell and his comments. I wish they would court storm in professional sports. <laughs> Can you imagine? I agree with you. The, <laughs> the crying that would come out of the NBA players if uh, fans were allowed to do that. Russell Westbrook would lose his mind if they allowed that. It, it would be awful. Uh, so, yeah, look, their kids are excited. It's college sports, and I think that uh, it's going to be very difficult to stop that. And, and Frank Bateo, in, what do you call this bar thing? The Brigade Bar. Come on. The Brigade Have Bar. Some respect. Yeah. Frank Pateo in the Brigade Bar on YouTube uh, saying, call a timeout with one or two seconds left and let them leave. Do you think fans would get – they would know what's happening? If you're calling a timeout and you rush the floor, and, and then what are you going to do? Um, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to stop this thing unless – unless and, and I don't know if schools would be willing to do this, but have an army – of security guards surround the court. I don't see any other way to stop it. The only, I mean, maybe not only, but one of the other ways is if the NCAA or whoever in this case determines that whoever storms the court is respond like has to forfeit a win. Then all of a sudden people start taking all it right. seriously. And I mean, but it's a really, really, really difficult conversation. Is the point? It is. Um, we we don't have any difficult conversations around here. We have easy ones, but. We have a difficult one for a lot of you to understand. Those of you Trey Lance truthers and supporters, conspiracy theorists, <laughs> this trade was a bad idea. We're going to tell you exactly why. Go get another cup. Go get another pastry. We got more here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Talk. That's not funny. Quarter Moon Plumbing and AC. How good do you want to be? From play one to the last play, we fight. Today's about opportunity and character. We got a chance to come out here and play football. It's a blessing. Hey, every season is full of defining moments. Let's make this day a defining moment for us in our quest. Let's go, baby. This is the morning huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. With Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. Now. Here are the guys. Huddle up! It is the morning huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Robbie T out today. My name, RJ Ochoa, and with me for some high-quality, more specifically restaurant-quality radio, is Big Fudge from the Blitz, Joe Ryan Engel himself. Joe, happy Big so, Fudging. Well, well, thank you. It's a happy Monday to you. Is it, When we're talking restaurant quality, are we talking... Uh, High dollar restaurant? Are we talking gyms or uh, you know, I don't know, saltgrass? This is always my question. Um, I 
the the restaurant that always comes to mind. This is a bit of a throwback for me. It's Furs. That's what I always think of when I think of Furs you know. Cafeteria. Yeah, I remember so, Furs. Um, Jim's works. I could totally see somebody you know cutting up some eggs. Uh, you know, listening to to RJ and Joe ping and pong the old uh you know ping pong balls around. Um, that sounds delicious like right now. As a matter of fact. You know, over easy guy, over scramble. I'm an, I, your... Over over easy guy. Um, I like it over easy. It's um, yeah, but I yeah, scrambled's okay. But if if mm. I have my druthers, a little over easy with some toast, where you can, you know, dip that toast in the in the egg stuff, and and egg stuff. eat it up. Egg stuff. It's called yolk. Um, Yo, well, <laughs> I I prefer egg stuff. Egg it's stuff. It's the juice. The egg juice. Yeah, that's pretty gross. I'm I'm an over medium <laughs> guy. I want some I want some egg stuff, uh, but I don't want to, it to be overwhelming. Um, by the way, uh, congratulations to your blitz partner. Uh, well, not to him, but to Joanna Minix on the uh, the half marathon she ran last night in Vegas. We saw a video of her crossing the finish line. Uh, yeah. Very cool. So uh, it was inspiring. I might run a couple miles someday this week. You know what I mean? Well, well maybe across the week. I'm happy for her, but I won't be running a couple of miles this week or next week or the week after that. So, well, uh, But good for Joanna. You will hit the gym, though, before the Blitz. Everybody hang out with Joe later on this afternoon where he is likely to talk really all things sports, but I'm certain at some point Dallas Cowboys. And, Joe, I think there was a an underlying overlooked Dallas Cowboys storyline from this past weekend we found out that the NFL salary cap is set at just a hair north of $255 million. We also found out the fifth-year option values for the class of 2021. For Micah Parsons, it's a little bit north of $24 million. Um, but that also includes Trey Lance because he uh -huh. is a Dallas Cowboy. He is a 2021 draft pick. In fact, he was the third overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. And his fifth-year option, which the Cowboys have to decide this offseason whether or not they want to exercise is $22.4 million. That's a lot of money for a back Well, yeah, it, it, it is. So, so what's, uh, you know, what, what is the Cowboys' plan here? And that's going to be interesting to see. Now, Cooper Rush has a year left, but if, if my understanding, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, RJ, that's a team option. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's, it's not a guaranteed year. So if they wanted to get rid of Cooper Rush, they could do it and it wouldn't cost them anything. Make Trey Lance the backup and see what he can do. Uh, but then you're taking a hell of a chance there if uh, something happens to Dak Prescott. So, um, I, look, when, when this whole trade happened, I, I didn't understand it. I mean, I really didn't. You give up a fourth-round draft pick for this guy who did absolutely nothing in San Francisco. Um, but it's, it's, it's Jerry. You know, I, I think just he's more interested sometimes in just making a splash uh, than, than actually helping his ball club. Uh, I, I just don't think Trey Lance is the answer. I don't think you're going to get anything if you try to trade him. Um, but you got to give him a shot this year, don't you, to see if he's even worth taking a look at. So this trade was annoying at the time to me because of what it was going to bring up with Dak. I, I was just pre-annoyed at all the people who were going to say, like, oh, play Trey Lance, play Trey Lance. And thankfully, <laughs> Dak put forth a, an MVP caliber season. But it also didn't make sense as far as the timeline of everything lining up. Even if you're somebody who did not believe or does not believe in Dak Prescott, this was illogical. Now, you're right, by the way, on Cooper Rush. They'll probably actually cut him and, and save just, you know, a couple, find a couple quarters in the couch cushions type thing uh, relative to this year's salary cap space. But 
the fifth year option is for next season for 2025. He's on the books this year for cheap because it's a rookie contract, but they're going to decline it because there's no way they can commit to $22 million in a fully guaranteed sense for next year for a backup quarterback. And even then, even if you thought he could be your starter, the dude hasn't played in three years. You know what I mean? How could you no. possibly trust him? And he's had a big injury. So the time, like his timeline doesn't line up with this Dak deal. Like even if you thought, let's just ride this Dak thing out and we'll try to pivot to Trey in the future. It was dumb in that sense, and it costed them a fourth-round draft pick, to your point. That is going to be a long wait that the Cowboys go from the third round all the way to the fifth before they pick again. And even then, they gave up a fifth-round pick in trading up for Eric Scott Jr. last year. They should get a compensatory pick, but um, it just it was an in-the-moment kind of thing. And you're right, we'll probably see a lot of Trey Lance when we're out in Oxnard, and that'll be cool, and he'll look good against air, and he'll have one throw, and, and <laughs> my buddy Joe Reinegel will tweet like, this Trey Lance guy looks pretty good. Dak better watch out, you know, several months after Dak signs for $60 million a year. Um, and he'll play in the preseason, but it it's a weird lack of foresight and lining up. You You want to always have players able to replace your current contracts. And Trey is not that for the Cowboys or, or for Dak Prescott in this situation. Well, it, it, that's another place that the Cowboys have failed miserably. There, There's nobody. Cooper Rush never was going to push Dak Prescott. Trey Lance coming in, I'm sure Dak said, oh, I'm scared now. Never did he say that. And, and, and so it, it, there was never anything to give Dak any reason to look over his shoulder. None whatsoever. There still isn't. Trey Lance isn't the guy. But I think you have to uh, for a couple of reasons. And, and obviously with that kind of a number, it's going to be difficult to get rid of uh, he, he, as far as the trade goes. Right, so but you got to see what he what he can do. Make him the backup quarterback. See what happens. Uh, if you don't like him through training camp, then you make some some difficult decisions. But you got to at least look. You brought him on this team. You gave up a fourth round draft pick. And I think the guy at least deserves a look. And by the way, RJ, did I mention I'm a truth teller? You will not see one tweet from me, no matter how good Trey Lance looks, that he's a threat to Dak Prescott. We'll see. <laughs> You know the those ox the uh, the Oxnard Sun can can make a man tweet some weird things. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's hard to know until you're out there. It's really my point. I love you, Dak. That's you. Um, yes, yes. It, again, it was it was never a trade that made sense, and that's a tough situation. Um, but you know, bygones are bygones, I guess. Um, quickly. A little bit before we go to break. I know this is a little off topic, but I do want to get your thoughts on this. And shout out to Jesus in the Brigade Bar for bringing it up. Have you seen about this No Bull tour that's been, that's going to be going on? Uh, just a little bit of it, yeah. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about it, but yeah, I've seen it. I, seems interesting. So Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, and Luke Longley uh, participated with Australia's National Basketball League and. They're going on a tour to address their discrepancies or disagreements with the Last Dance documentary. <laughs> um, and they're calling it the No Bull Tour, so to speak, because, you know, they find it to be a lot of bull. Um, and obviously they were the bulls. So, I mean, the alliteration is all over the place. But um, is this cool? Is this lame? Because I kind of think it's a little lame. Well, I think it's lame. Uh, look, they, they 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 see an opportunity to, you know, get back in the spotlight a little bit. You know, Scottie Pippen should just be happy, I think, because 
including me, and I know a lot of people that, that watch Michael Jordan play ball, Scottie Pippen was a big part of that. He was a big part of the reason that Jordan had the success that he did. And I don't know why Scottie's not happy with that. But I think Scottie's one of those guys that, that thinks, you know, he should have been the limelight. He should have been the guy. And, uh, and I just wish Scottie would go just go on, be happy. You were part of, a, of some magical teams. And, and just you know, ride off into the sunset and enjoy life. But I think this is all just, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's, they want to get 15 more minutes in the spotlight. I hate to say that I agree with you because I don't want to feel that way about this, but I'm a truth teller, RJ. Well, I, know, I told but you like, that. I just feel like, so, so what's going to, like, do you really think that anyone is going to look at y'all and no disrespect to you, Scotty, you or Luke, but like, we're going to say, Oh, we totally believe you over Michael. Like, no no right. one is going to say that. No, literally, no one is going to feel that way. And so it just feels awkward. The Bulls might be the, the most toxic dynasty of all time. Like you mentioned, just be happy. It would be such a bummer if in 10 years the Spurs were doing this. You know what I mean? And just like bickering with one another and fighting. It's just everyone can have a piece and, and tell all the same story. People will pay to hear the same good stories over and over and over again, and you don't have to do anything like this. Yeah, can you imagine Boris Diaw coming out with a tour and, and Mario Ellie and, <laughs> the and some of those sucked. guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 Pop, you know, he's a tyrant, and and David Robinson really wasn't as good, and it was all me, 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 me. Uh, just, it, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and I have a feeling this will last. If it lasts fifteen minutes, I'll be surprised. I don't even think it lasts that long. It'll get old to everybody really quick. Even the '90s Cowboys dynasty isn't this toxic. In, in you know what I mean? Like, they, <laughs> no. even they, even they have all said, let's just tell the good stories, sign the autographs, take the pictures, and let's just take our, you know, our royalties that way. We don't have to go about it this way. Also, dude, respect on your tour, but it's in no way going to be seen or viewed or heard by as many people as the last answers. That's just kind of this will uh, probably be the last time we talk about it. I would imagine uh, whether it's the morning cuddle or the blitz, either one. So. Uh, well, time will oh, tell. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> next up, though, on the aforementioned huddle, the Spurs, not the Bulls, um, have their own toxic problems. And uh, they keep turning into loss after loss after loss after loss. But Wimby, he's amazing. We'll get into it here next on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. morning on for one san antonio sports star robbie t out today argio Ochoa right here alongside the dashing and debonair joe ryan angle absolutely well put and uh, perfectly described thank you rj that's that's outstanding you and i are holding up uh, the station today along with edwin hafner and james pledger who will uh be producing the blitz this afternoon so uh you know minix is slacking off in vegas and so uh you know, you and I have to hold up this uh, this whole entire machine. Yeah. And I think we're doing um, a hell of a job. Well, that's why I asked you what you had for dinner last night a little while ago. You said you had a Whataburger because <laughs> uh, I want to yeah. make sure you have enough protein in your body. Do you, do you know your lunch plans yet? Because that will be your pre-Blitz meal. You know, I don't know my lunch plans yet. This was uh, It was an early early morning wake-up call this morning. Uh, ah, which well, is no. which is fine. I mean, uh, and and you know, after several cups of coffee, I feel pretty wired up. But uh, uh, no, I, I don't know yet what those lunch plans are going to be. I have a feeling though, it's going to happen a little earlier than normal. 
because already the stomach's beginning to growl a little bit. Well, you've been up longer than usual at this point in time. Oh, and we sure, certainly, exactly. Yeah, we appreciate your presence here on the morning <laughs> huddle. Uh, maybe somebody was up late watching the Spurs lose again uh, on Sunday night to the Utah Jazz. Um, are you aware, though, Joe, that they kept their all-important streak alive? Are you are you aware of what the streak is and that it is active and how close they are to NBA history? Really? Enlighten yeah. me, please. Yes. I, I Yes. No. What What is this you speak of? Rob and I started tracking this about, I don't know, six weeks ago when it first popped up. The Spurs have the longest active streak in the NBA of games with 20 or more assists. Now, that's pretty common, right? Not hard to get to 20 assists in, a, in an NBA game. Um, and really just kind of speaks to how there's – not real one baller, you know. There is now, but you know what I mean. Sure. This this streak is 116 games long at this point in time. Wow. All right. I know. All right. Um, now the pathetic part about that is they've only won 27 of those games, but you know that's neither here nor there. Um, but they so they're at 116. The Pacers are at 112 actively. They're right on our heels. All right. So okay. you know, shoo shoo Indiana. But the all-time record for most consecutive games with 20 or more assists is 120 set by the Los Angeles Lakers in the mid-'80s. We're right there. We're on the cusp. Well, well, you know, 20 must be pretty impressive then if there's, uh, you know, nobody's done this in a long time. (laughs) Um, Especially you got a guy like Wimby uh, who you can just kind of throw it inside and and he usually scores. Um, In case case you're curious – they could tie the record next Tuesday in Houston and break it next Thursday in Sacramento. Just if you're curious. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, I am curious because we got to have something to watch and hold on to. So it might as well be that. I mean, what we else are we going to hold on to? I feel like most people feel the same here. I didn't feel anything with the losses at Sacramento. I know that was Thursday night, but I didn't feel anything with that, with the loss at L.A., I know that they they made it kind of close and had a fun you know final few minutes against LA, but I wasn't it wasn't like oh man we dropped this like it was just kind of like okay another and I didn't feel anything at all against Utah. I know that, again they've got it down to whatever it was nine points. Like they, they've they've beaten us down so bad <laughs> that it's like you lost again, man. So what? You know what I mean? Like cool. We're let's hopefully we break the assist record at this point in time. Hopefully Wemby does something cool. It's really all they are, dude. I mean, I and I that bums me out, but they have done this. It did not have to be this way. No, it didn't have to be this way and uh the Spurs pop uh Brian Wright all made the decision that they were going to go into the season, give Wemby the uh the feel for the NBA with a bunch of young kids around him, youngest team in the NBA, and uh and and see where they would go and we're seeing where they're going. Uh, it's it's nowhere. Uh, 11 wins on the season. I don't see any prospects for this team to get many more than that, to be totally honest with you. I don't think they come anywhere close to what they won last year, which was 22. Um, but I'm resigned to the fact that this team is just going to continue to suck. So the the thing that I've got to get motivated by, RJ, is, is what is I, what am I going to do for the remainder of the season? What am I going to watch? And when the NCAA the easy tournament. Well, that too, but I mean, Wimby's the easy answer on this team 
But but what else? Do you do you start looking at guys, and do you see any kind of message in a Keldon Johnson benching last night after four minutes? Uh, I do. I see a little bit of a message there. Finally, I think it's taken too long. But it, it, this team has got to look different, and I'm looking forward to the offseason already uh, to see just what maneuvers it, and, and what things the Spurs are going to do to make this team better. I like uh, Jesus's comment in the Brigade Bar. It says, we are comfortably numb, so to speak. That's exactly where we are with the Spurs. Now, the Keldon thing, I'm, I'm kind of past the point of Keldon. You know what I mean? And that's not a Keldon thing. You know, free Keldon as far as I'm concerned. Let Keldon go somewhere else. Maybe somebody else can develop him. It's, it's not going to happen here. I will give them just the teeniest, tiniest bit of credit because Devin Vassell has been awesome since, and relatively speaking, contextually speaking, Ever since the New Orleans fiasco, where we all were pissed off, saying, Devin, what the hell are you doing, dude? That The ball belongs in, in Victor's hands in these moments. He's He has emerged as Robin. So, I mean, I feel like we have Batman and Robin. Now we just need the rest of the Justice League. I know you're a big Justice League fan. And so, oh, sure. Yeah. But I, but so that he's kind of the answer, but even that is, is kind of an, a tired thing at this point. Like, he's continued to be awesome for a few weeks now. I mean, outside of him... I guess Blake is, is kind of fun, you know, every, every night, every now and then. But that's it. I mean, I guess maybe Jeremy, it, it, you know, has a few moments, but we're not attached to them. You know what I mean? We, we we're halfway out. We're hokey-poking this whole thing with, with everybody except Wemby and, and Devin. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm not sure that Devin Vassell is the is the Robin to Wimby's Batman at this point in time. I think maybe he definitely is, is a, right now. Maybe, maybe well, not right, long term, but he is right now. Sure, right now. Okay, I'll give you that. I, I'm not sure long term that he is. I think there needs to be another Robin or two brought into this thing, and I think there will be. I, and again, that's what I'm looking forward to. I I really just wish we could fast forward through the remainder of the season and get to the offseason, get to the lottery, get to the draft, uh, and then see what the Spurs do in, in free agency. Because I, I have to believe that they're going to make some moves and, and get some people around this uh, this phenomenon that is Victor Wimbanyama. Um, and if they don't, shame on them. Because in my mind, and and I try to justify it in my mind by the fact that they're, well, they, they're letting him get used to the NBA. But in my mind, they've wasted his rookie year. Uh, and, and it's just got to be frustrating as hell for that young man uh, where it just doesn't seem frustrating to anybody else. And I think that's the problem, and I think it's a big problem with Keldon Johnson. And I think uh, the laziness, the way the Spurs started that game last night uh, is it, just a, a reflection on the on the season and what it has been. And I'm happy to see the fact that they benched that guy. And I hope the discipline uh, like that uh, or accountability like that continues for the remainder of the season. I can appreciate discipline and accountability, but miss me with this. It's it's too late. You know what I mean? You've, you've started studying for exams with two weeks left to go on the semester. You know what I mean? Like, you've already failed <laughs> enough. You know, like, you can't recover at this point. Like, at the, at the very, you might as well just in, enjoy it. And why, like, why even show up to class? You know what I mean? And so, enjoy it. I, I mean, it, it's actually kind of rude to Keldon to, to make him look silly like this at this, because, you know what I mean? Like, who. Who the hell are you to, to say enough, Keldon? And I, I recognize that you want to, you know, offer discipline and authority and, and things like that. But, it, it, like, you're the joke at this point. Like, Keldon's not making you the joke. You're the joke. Outside, like, Wemby is saving you from being a complete and total joke. Devin is helping out in certain capacities. But the idea that, you know, the Spurs are high and mighty and, and, and too good for, for, Jer or for Keldon's antics on Sunday night is a little bit, you know, 
over the top in my mind. But well, know. yeah, Keldon was a clown show yesterday, and he deserved to be benched. I think he did, Devin but they're Vis- a clown show. You know, I mean, well, I, I get that, but I mean, there's, he's there's, one in the there's, car. There's, there, it's like the, all the clowns in the car. I mean, well, Keldon was like the last guy out of the car. I mean, you know, you just don't care. But he's kind of like, he just was, he was, he was, he was bad. And I'm glad that he got benched. I, at least I see something. And, and maybe it is too late, but at least I see something. Hold these guys accountable. I mean, everybody's sick of losing. Nobody thought this would be a championship team this year, but nobody, nobody thought that we'd be at this point in the season with 11 wins. It is the worst way possible to have a generational player on your team aj says in the brigade bar i am baffled upset and some and at the same time i am not surprised it's the spurs way piss on what the fans want we know better behavior that's exactly what it is and that's what the Keldon thing is it's like oh now now we're gonna sit up in our chair and we're, and we're gonna really stick our chest out and we're gonna get the you know all the discipline out it's just it's silly and i'm, I'm not defending Keldon. i just think it, it's a really hollow move at this point relative to who you are as a team and how the season has gone, the joke that it's all kind of been. But, um, hey, that's just kind of what it is. Joe, um, there are some – there are actually not even some. There are most quarterbacks not throwing at the NFL Combine this week. What would you not do at your own NFL Combine? We um, we have some thoughts on that. We'll get into uh, right after this. You're ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. Tonight at 545, it's college basketball. Miami and North Carolina on your home for March Madness. 94-1, San Antonio's Sports Star. I didn't know that. Joe, you got an easy night tonight over here Hi. bragging about, you know, your back hurting from carrying the station. Man, Joe Ryan no Eagle with I... us on the morning huddle. The fraud. Goodness gracious. I didn't know it was an early exit tonight, but uh, I was happy to hear that promo. So uh, I'm out of there at uh, 5.45 versus 6 o'clock. Thank I mean, you. hey, time is time, dude. You know? Time is time. I'm telling you. It's fantastic. I, it gives me something to uh, to look forward to. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this afternoon. And, uh, you know, it's funny when you do a, a show solo, RJ, as you know, um, there would be a lot of fans saying that you're lecturing them. And the way I look at that, maybe some of these fans need to be lectured to because mm. some of them, uh, you know, their opinions are, are just a little off and need They're to be wrong. corrected just a little just bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pro- Professor Joe will be here at 2 later on today is when class starts. Yes, uh, Are you more does. of a, a chalkboard guy or a dry erase marker? Uh, well, chalkboards, they're not a thing anymore, are they? They definitely, I mean, are they, they definitely are, are chalkboards are still a thing? I mean, they're not, um, they used to call them blackboards when they were black, right. but now they're, now they're green. Sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, they never called them green boards, interestingly enough, but never um, did. They, they definitely exist. And did you ever have to go clap the erasers as a, I as did. Punishment? Yes, I sure yeah. did. Yeah. So I remember those days. Know, I mean, I, I think dry this. erase markers definitely exist. But nowadays, they're probably just putting their computer screen and their PowerPoints and everything up on, you know, what happened? What happened to time? You know what I mean? I know. Just, you know, some, some things should just stand the test of time and stick around. Now, well, chalkboard is, is not one of those things. Out of the dust. But I, I do like the erase board where you get the different color markers and all that stuff. That That should never go away. Yeah, or you put the markers on top of one another and you make a sword. 
That's right. that's the real fun involved. Um, exactly. That's a good point. Well, but, uh-huh. but change happens, and, and you know society changes, people change. I think that's evidenced by the NFL Combine this week. Obviously, uh, the Underwear Olympics is a lot of people. I really uh-huh. hate how like every everyone who says that this week will act like they're the first person to ever come up with that term. That really sticks <laughs> in my craw. But yeah. um, but these days, it's kind of a pointless physical activity because all of the top prospects don't throw like or, or don't participate. In fact, while we've been on this morning, Marvin Harrison Jr., the top uh, wide receiver expected to be in the draft class, isn't even going to do medical testing at the combine. So how do you feel? I mean, do, do you hearken for the days of the chalkboard where everybody would show up and get poked and prodded, or are you fine with this? Are you fine with players taking control into their own hands? Well, I know I, I, I'm kind of an old school guy, so I'd like to see them show up and do what they're supposed to do. But I mean, we've seen some things go away. That Wonderlick test, which was uh, pretty ridiculous in my mind, and, and well, didn't now mean the S two test is the in S2 trouble too. Test, yes. I mean, I, I'm you know, you either know football or you don't, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I really, I don't get upset by that at all. Um, I think the combine has really turned into uh, a, a, an exhibition of guys that. Uh, are on a bubble or maybe want to improve their draft status a little bit, you know, third, fourth, fifth, maybe six-round guys that, that want to improve their, their draft status a little bit. guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., he's going to get drafted, and he's going to get drafted high, so he it's really not a lot for him to do. It's strange how, for so many people, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. included, all you can do is lower your stock. It's it's really amazing that that's right, just right. kind of kind of where we're at with all this. That um, the body of work kind of speaks for itself. It's really 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 hard. I mean, people have been talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. this way since the twenty twenty three season. Uh, so that he withstood that entire test of time all throughout this or the twenty twenty two season. Excuse me, all throughout the twenty three season really is a testament to who he is as a prospect. And I agree with you. This is either. There, there are two main things that can come out of the NFL combine. One is what you said, the bubble guy, mid-round guy. Maybe you go and you bump your, your stock up you know, instead of being a fourth-round pick or a third-round pick, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the networking involved between people associated with building these rosters, whether it's GMs, assistant GMs, position coaches, outright coaches, owners, agents, media members. It's all about these conversations. The Matthew Stafford trade uh, between the Rams and the Lions was famously brokered at the NFL Combine. The groundwork, all the birds are whispering right now, Joe. That's exciting to know that all those ping pong balls are up in the air. Well, and Dak Prescott's agent will most likely be at the Combine as well, and I'm sure there'll be some meaningful talks happening there between Jerry and Steven and, and Dak's uh, representation. Uh, and, th- and you're right, those, that's where some of those things get done. So that's going to be interesting to see. And I can't wait for Jerry's answer because you know he's going to be asked about Dak and his contract and what he's going to do. And he always finds a different way to kind of sidestep the, the issue but it's always entertaining. So I'm looking forward to hearing from Jerry Jones at the Combine this week. There was an article that came out last Thursday in the Dallas Morning News by David Moore. Um, and whenever David Moore writes something like this, it's always worth paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was the, from as far as serious outlets are concerned, it was the first, whoa, 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 maybe we don't pay Dak Prescott argument to kind of emerge. Um, and that does feel like a little bit of posturing, a little bit of public negotiating from the Cowboys, from the Joneses. And you're right. We will get a comment like that. We will get a comment along the lines of, 
well, Dak's got to be considerate of the fact that CD is up for a deal as well, that Micah's up. It would be beneficial if all these guys would, would help the overall goal. That, to me, is ridiculous. That's the, the worst thing that an NFL owner or GM can say. It's not Dak's fault or CD's fault or Micah's fault that you planned poorly for this. It's not their fault that you have to work harder to figure out how to make this all work. In fact, the salary cap is larger than anybody thought it was going to be. Your job just got easier, Jerry, Stephen, and Will McClay. What are you doing trying to garner sympathy from us for? Oh, uh, and the players, man, they're they're watering, right? I mean, they're drooling at the aspect. When they saw that, all of them celebrated a little bit, uh, especially the guys that are up right now. It's it's incredible. Um, but I mean, let's get used to it, right? I just uh, March thirteenth is the deadline for Prescott's deal. I think it's going to happen. I'm totally against it. I I I don't think Dak is the guy. I haven't thought that for some time. But the Cowboys have no choice. And at this point in time, if they're going to have so, any sort of relevance. Your stance is you're against it, but you think it will happen, just to be clear on your stance. Absolutely. I think it has to happen. I don't think the Cowboys have a choice. And that's what's so sad about it is the, the contract is all in Dak's favor. He's got all the leverage. And uh, and Jerry Jones made it that way. And so, yeah, I, I think the Cowboys are going to have no choice but to sign this guy. And Dak don't. Dak's not going to take a team-friendly deal. He's not, nor should he. Because, again, I think this is Dak's last opportunity at a huge payday. He's going to take it and going to take uh, as much as he can possibly get, and the Cowboys are just going to have to deal with that. Why are you against it? I mean, because you don't think he's the guy? I mean, is that, that the simplified answer here? That is the that is the simplified answer, RJ, and I think, look – I think what's Dak going into his ninth year, and I know Correct. that everybody's going to cite now that you know Peyton Manning this and and guys some some of them Matt were Ryan over 30 is the other before <laughs> so they, they did it. sure they're, okay and only two yeah um, but they're the only two that know, have done this this late in their career for the first time. I just don't think it, for whatever reason when the bright lights come up, Dak just folds. Great regular season quarterback, and he always has been. But when those when the when it's playoff time against good teams, he just does not seem to be able to have that, whatever that is that guys like Patrick Mahomes have and Tom Brady has and even a Matthew Stafford for that matter. Uh, a Jared Goff is another guy that, that, that got to the Super Bowl and they could get it done. Even, or I'll even mention a Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson. It, well, Lamar Jackson's a different guy because he's a lot like Dak in that respect. But w- whatever it is, when the bright lights come on, Dak just does not seem to be able to get it done. And nothing leads me to believe that that's going to change. I think that the evaluation that people have of this process is really broken. And they look at the number. They say, I- I'm not going to pay $60 million per year. This is a, a, a yes or no thing. This is one line that you're either that you're on one side of it's not well i think he's worth this but not that so i mean you look at the quarterbacks who got paid a year ago justin herbert dax got a, a much more proven resume than i know you're a herbert guy but i don't think you could dispute that <laughs> lamar jackson who's got a, a much more impressive individual resume but to your uh, point some people would would kind of put in the same box as dax as far as playoff uh success or lack thereof jalen hurts i don't think it's Ridiculous at all to claim that Dak is better than him, although he obviously had an incredible season two years ago now. Um, so, I mean, and then Joe Burrow. And I think everybody would take Joe Burrow over Dak. I don't think that that's a, a controversy in any way, stretch or form. This, to me, I've never been in this spot, but 
it, it feels I think the best way I've thought about this a lot because I've tried to explain it so many times. Um, I think about parents who have helped their children in college, help pay for their tuition. You're paying for the diploma. That's that's like, you have to do it. You like you have to do, you have to go through that process. That's like it's not a debatable thing. It's not a negotiable thing. You can't say. Well, school X, I don't think that tuition is worth this. I'm willing to pay a little bit less than this. If your kid wants to go to that school or is going to go to that school or whatever the case may be and they want the degree or they want to earn the degree from that particular institution, that's the price. And then guess what? I mean, the next year they might say, well, tuition went up 5%. You know, we have more students now. We have to build this building. We have to do this. And you're thinking, why? Why did tuition go? Books are more expensive now. That's the price of doing business. This is simply what it is. And I don't mean to act in a surrender sort of way like oh what a, a common way that people defend Dak is well what's the better option i don't think that's a, a fair point at all i think Dak is a top seven quarterback and he kind of hovers around three to four at his absolute ceiling that is well worth paying the price to get the degree from in my mind you compared him or you said oh well he doesn't have what tom brady and patrick mahomes had if that's what we're chasing we're gonna go crazy because there's just no way that any mortal is going to catch that, and I think that that's pretty justified over the course of the last quarter century. So he's he's a well worth paying quarterback. It's just right now the number happens to be sixty million dollars. The way it was fifty two for Jalen or for fifty one for Jalen Hurts last year. A year ago, Jalen Hurts got fifty one. We had all the conversations about how he's the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. A day later, Lamar Jackson got more money. That's the way that this game works. Yeah, Dak is next, and he's going to get paid. And 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 there's nothing that anybody can do about it. It's going to happen, like it or not. My point is, though, even a Jalen Hurts, um, yeah, I think Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But guess what? Jalen Hurts got to the Super Bowl. To me, that he is had a one different... of the best teams ever. He had okay, all pros well, and Pro Bowlers everywhere around. Me. And and what and, did the Cowboys have last year, RJ? What did they let's, have? Let's hold Was up. That not the context a big is necessary. Talented let's, team. The, the Eagles won two playoffs. And look, I'm not at all excusing the Cowboys losing to the Packers in the playoffs because they didn't lose. They were lambasted, right? So no defense there for me. But the Eagles, everybody acts like the Eagles got to the Super Bowl. That did happen in a literal sense. They were in the Super Bowl. The two playoff games they won before that, they earned a first-round bye. I, I don't think we ever give teams – like that. that's a playoff win. You earn a bye, sure. that's, that should be counted as a playoff win. So they earned that. They beat the Giants with the really crummy Daniel Jones-led Giants, the same Daniel <laughs> Jones who was even worse this past season. So we're really going to like pound our chest over, or say that they should pound their chest. And then in the NFC Championship game – they beat the literal quarterbackless San Francisco 49ers. They beat a team with no passing option in the game before the Super Bowl. That's not their fault, right? That 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 those circumstances unfolded, but my point is it's not like they were this indestructible force that Jalen Hurts threw for 500 yards in every playoff game or anything like that. They had a ho-hum way to the Super Bowl and then he was remarkable in the game, but they lost. So like I, that's why context is necessary. We can't just say, "Well, he got to a Super Bowl." That's my point. Okay, well, it, it, using that terminology, you go back to one of Dak's wins in the playoffs against a horrible Tampa Bay team. Granted, that's Tom fair. Brady was that well, that quarterback, but so are we going to count that? Yeah, everybody's going to count that win, right? They're going to count it. So Dallas should have beaten Green Bay. Clearly, a subpar team to the Dallas Cowboys. And they got their butts kicked. 
They didn't just lose that game. They got humiliated in that game. And Dak Prescott was a reason they did that because he had a terrible first half. It was awful. All I'm saying is it doesn't matter who's in front of you. Cowboys should have won that game. They should have gone on to play Detroit. Now, would they have beaten Detroit? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know. But they should have had that opportunity. And the fact that the Cowboys went into that game in Green Bay and uh, against Green Bay and just thought that they could show up and win. And, and, and they didn't do it. And, and that's all I'm saying. When the bright lights are shining, Dak doesn't get it done. I don't care who Jalen Hurts played. They got there. They were fortunate enough to get there. Unless I think you will agree with this, RJ. Most teams that get to the Super Bowl have some fortune at some point in time. Totally. And I'm not expecting I'm not expecting Dak Prescott to be Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, but can he not be Matthew Stafford? Can he not be uh, Matty Ice? I mean, can he not be one of those guys? He's not even one so, of those guys in my mind. Matthew Stafford threw an interception in the NFC Championship game against the Niners that would have lost the game. It just so happened that Jaquiski Tart, the Niner in question, dropped it. And and you're right, like that's luck. I mean, it's a game played with an oblong shaped ball made out of leather, right? Like weird crap happens. <laughs> um, but but we forget that because they won the Super Bowl. And to their credit, they went on and, and he played that game and he was remarkable. And, and Cooper Cup was amazing. And Cooper Cup literally won MVP of that game. So there are moments of luck. I think you're you're right. And that's an uncomfortable uh, admission that Cowboys fans have to have is that maybe that Buccaneers win last year for the Cowboys was a little bit hollow. That was a below 500 Bucks team. It wasn't just a bad Bucks team. So they yeah. were literally beneath 500. Uh, now, Dak was individually remarkable in that game in a way that Hurts wasn't in his two playoff wins. But that's not you know to say he was better or whatever. I'm just saying Dak did live up to all the individual expectation, but to your point, he then lived down to it the week after against San Francisco. And so I get that at a certain point it is it feels like, well, every single star can't align. What what do you do now? But and so maybe this is the like what's the best alternative option? They are stuck. And I, I know that you've kind of admitted that. He is more than good enough to win with. I don't think there's any question about that. And I also think it's fair to expect a little bit more from him and any quarterback because that's the nature of the game but the failures of the team extend beyond Dak Prescott and I think that we need to consider that before we say we have to get rid of this player this piece of it all because he's not good enough it's true that he has not been good enough but it's also true that the overall organism has not been good enough so if there's a piece I want to move on from in the name of getting past where they are I think that Dak is lower on my list than, say, Mike McCarthy, than, say, the general manager, although that's obviously an impossibility. Well, I think Mike McCarthy, just because of the culture, and I think he should have been fired this year, uh, and then the Cowboys start over. But everybody said, well, look what he did with Dak. Okay, look what he did with Dak. And they got their butts kicked against Green Bay. Let me ask you a question, RJ, because our Dak Prescott conversation, did or did not the Cowboys have on paper this year one of the best teams that they've had, I mean, overall, in, in several years? Yeah, I mean, I think you could say in the drought, it was probably the second best team they've had. They didn't get it done. The first one would be 2007. This is it, number two. Okay, and their quarterback 
was miserable in the playoffs in the first half. And everybody points to, well, he was 400 yards, and this that was after they were down 27. Oh, yeah, that was all empty calories, totally. So, yeah, so, I mean, he, and he was bad. He was bad in the first half. Everybody else was bad, too, but your quarterback has got to lift you. And Dak just doesn't seem to have the ability to lift a team uh, when they need to be lifted. He can't get it done. And that's why uh, I just don't think he's that guy. I think he's certainly – there's a lot of value in getting to the playoffs three years in a row. And, and that's where this conversation loses context is people say, he sucks, he's terrible, blah, blah, blah. I mean, what they've done is objectively impressive. It's also objectively not enough. We all agree all these things can be true simultaneously. And so – that is the challenge, and it's it's an even larger challenge now because now they have to pay Dak Prescott more money. That's not his fault. Now they have to pay CeeDee Lamb. That's not Dak or CeeDee's fault. They're finally in a position where Micah Parsons is eligible to be paid. Again, nobody's fault. It's just the way time works. So this job got more difficult for Dak, obviously, but for the Cowboys front office. This is the most challenging offseason the Cowboys front office has had, maybe in the Dak Prescott era, because they have – Two of the best players in the Dak Prescott era that they have to pay that are not Dak Prescott in CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons. And do they risk not paying Micah even though he's under contract and him not showing up to training camp, him being upset, him this and that? That I mean, I don't think it would be inconceivable for Micah to hold out at the beginning of training camp if he didn't have a deal. right? I mean, if you're Micah, I mean, it makes sense to cash out as soon as po- or to cash in as soon as possible. You you haven't had the ability to do so before. We saw Zeke hold out, and it worked out for him. Who's to? Why wouldn't they blink for Micah if they blinked for Zeke? You know what I'm saying? No, I think they would blink for him, and I think uh, who knows what Mike is going to do. I think he's one of those guys that you just don't know, and he could very well hold out, I, it, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, I just think that there's so many other things. Yeah, you know, we're, guys we're not talking about are Tyler Biotish. What do you do? That, that guy's I bet a they free let him agent. walk. You know, what are you going to do at center then? And you say, everybody, you're going to pay Dak $62 million, and you're going to bring in what? You're going to draft the center. You're going to have a rookie center for, for Prescott to go with. Uh, Tyron Smith's another guy I think that's going to uh, be looked at by other teams uh, in, in, in the free agent market. Do the Cowboys want to match that? So if you've got a patchwork offensive line or a very young one, and I'll give the Cowboys a lot of credit, RJ. They, oh, it, years past, they've done a great job of drafting offensive linemen. Um, and, and so they're going to have to do that again. But there's so many holes on this team, so many holes on this team, uh, that, that I just don't think they're going to be near as good next year as they were this past year, which is going to make Dak Prescott's job even that much more difficult. Well, the Cowboys have a lot of holes. There's no question about that. But somehow, the Spurs have like five times the amount. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into the Spurs and where things stand with them after their latest loss in our final hour. Do not go anywhere or else Joe will find you. We've got more restaurant quality radio after this. You're on the morning huddle on 941 San Antonio Sports Talk. Step in a jam by Wimbanyama. This is the morning huddle on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star with Rob Thompson and the managing editor of Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. Now, here's Rob and RJ. Hello. Good morning to you. 
It is the morning huddle here on 941 San Antonio Sports Star. Robbie T out today. My name RJ Ochoa. In with me from the Blitz. You will hear a lot of him later on this afternoon. He's got the tea, the lemon, the ginger, the honey, all ready to Woo. rock. It is the one and only Joe Reinagel. Joe, what's your favorite kind of tea to drink? Um Yeah, I'm not much of a tea drinker, although I'll get like uh, a half and see. half. You know, half and half sweet tea, unsweet tea, that kind of oh, thing. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm not, talking I'm not, hot tea. Not not a hot tea kind of guy. I'm really not. Okay. I was looking for like a honey chamomile, maybe a peppermint kind of thing. You know? No, none of you. those things. Uh, you a tea guy, RJ? Yeah. Uh, I, I drink a, a cup of tea every evening, um, you know, given what we do. I'm, I'm not as strong as y'all. You know what I mean? I need it. And so um, I uh, – although instead of honey, I like to often go with agave. It's a little bit different. Um, different hit. Agave? And, yeah. Now, as in tequila? You know, no, I mean, well, there is agave in tequila, but you can just put the agave. It's a honey-like substance and texture and effect. It's a little bit smoother. You know, honey can okay. be really thick. Right. Agave is a little bit, little thinner. So, you know, that you learn something new about people every you, day. By the way, yeah, that sounds very I mean, classy. Do you drink it with your pinky up? I don't. I don't think anybody drinks anything with their pinkies <laughs> up. Although that, I believe, uh, stemmed from pe- the English people drinking tea uh, of all things. So. Yeah. Look at that. Look how you took us full circle. What a ride that was, Joe. It's good for I, you. I'm telling you. It just sounds very classy of you, my friend. I mean, you know, I didn't know you were that kind of a classy guy. Most blocks, Joe, in the month of February. <laughs> Granted, there are a few days to go. This is a leap year. Did you know that, by the way? I, you know, I didn't until just the other day, and I'm, like, trying to figure out the calendar, and I'm going, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I yeah. looked at the calendar so, um, and said, oh, wow, 29 days. You, you got a whole extra day. I hope uh, I, I hope you take advantage of it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so most blocks this month to date. Uh, shout out to Clutch Points for tracking this. The Portland Trailblazers have 30. The New York Knicks and Sacramento Kings have 35 apiece. The Chicago Bulls have 36. That's the real Bulls, not the no-bull tour. Uh, yeah. The Los Angeles Clippers have 36. The Detroit Pistons have 37. And our leader is Victor Wembanyama with 38 all by himself. Wow. That's pretty cool. That, that's impressive. Yes, it is. Um, the guy has really developed in, into, uh, I mean, we're seeing a, a budding superstar as it is, and and, uh, and I think it's great, and he's doing it on a team that uh, really tried to prohibit him from doing that for a long time. <laughs> they seem to be coming around, but uh, they uh, – it took a while, but I think we're finally getting there. At least Devin Vassell is getting there for sure. Yeah, Devin Vassell has come along. The Robin to Wimby's Batman, I don't care what you say. Again, he's really – we were all really hard on him after that Pelicans loss and yeah. kind of screaming at him like, what are you doing, dude? And I, none of us were wrong. And it's a really hard thing for a person, let alone a professional athlete, to take words like that and to apply them. And I think he deserves credit for aptly doing so. Um the Spurs seem to be hopeful that a similar effect can happen to Keldon Johnson. Um, on Sunday evening, the Spurs lost. What a shock. Uh, to the Jazz. <laughs> um, by the way, um, I saw Jeff McDonald tweeted this. The Wi-Fi there at the Delta Center, I think it is. Do you know uh-huh. what it's called? The Wi-Fi or the Delta Center? Yeah, well, you know, like your Wi-Fi has a name. Like yours might be like, oh. you know... Big big fudge's casa or something like that. You know I, what I mean? Know, like I, every I, I I don't know what it's called in in Salt Lake City. 
I don't know that you would, but it was really funny. Uh, I, again, I saw this from Jeff McDonald. It's called Jordan Pushed Off. So that's really funny. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's funny. Good for, that's funny. Good for the Jazz. Anyway, yeah. the purple Jazz throwbacks look great, uh, but they're the only thing that looked great on Sunday night because the Spurs lost and Keldon Johnson embarrassed them so much that they pulled him after four minutes. Four. That's the other thing about this, like yanking of him, yanking him thing. Like four minutes is not enough to make a a legitimate, a, you know, have a legitimate opinion. I, like that's th- this felt like. Um, this felt like a an obvious thing. Like we need to have a fall guy. We're we're gonna make an example out of somebody. And it, I'm I'm not saying Keldon didn't earn his his benching, but this was really kind of embarrassing. I, I thought uh, of the Spurs, given the context of how we've gotten here. Like that you've now had enough, and you need to pull Keldon Johnson after four minutes and a blowout loss of the Jazz. It just feels a little disconnected from reality for me. Well, that just shows you how bad Keldon was last night. I mean, it was worse than than. I don't want to say usual. That's not fair to him, but he was bad. I mean, the entire team, though, was bad in that first quarter. It was just it was awful. Uh, it's just like they didn't really care to play. Uh, and I know we're going to hear this. Uh, they were tired three games and four nights and all of this stuff, which I, I just I don't buy. Everybody does that. Um, but they came out with no energy, no lack, uh, no no urgency at all. And it was just uh it was just a, a, one of those games that we come to come to expect. But I, I was actually in, in impressed, if you will, after the what? Sacramento game and the L.A. game. Okay, okay. And I thought, well, at least this team is playing hard. And, yeah, they're losing, but they're in games. And, they, and then last night was just, you know, another egg-laying process. I, I just can't get there anymore. Um, the moral wins are so hollow. And it actually is so frustrating that it makes enjoying something like what Wemby did. So on Thursday night, he you know flirts with the five i five, and we're all like, "Oh my gosh!" If he had just had one more assist, you know, we would be talking about something historic. And then for him to literally do it is an actually badass thing. You know what I mean? To be like, "I was this close, so I'm literally going to go do it tonight." That is awesome. Respect. But it makes it so hard to enjoy when the Spurs are so bad. I mean. It's difficult, Joe, to be this bad when you're getting this. It isn't just a remarkable rookie season. This is a remarkable season in general from any NBA player ever. And they've won 11 games. It's not possible to be this bad, but they have found a way. They have found the specific way to be so bad around him that he cannot elevate them and carry them by himself. You know, what? what is the, uh, what is the character of this team? I don't know. What is their... Um... Yeah, you know, their look. There, I, I don't know what it is. It just seems like a bunch of individuals out there playing basketball, and Wimby's just trying to do his thing, get involved in in the NBA and learning the game and where he fits in and how he fits in. And I just think that's why I I will continue to say that I think this has been a disservice to that young man. Uh, what the Spurs did. They went in with a plan, obviously, and the plan was to see what we could do with these young guys. Will they grow together? Wimby's got to feel his way in here. and But it just hasn't worked. I mean, it's and it's been a dismal failure. The whole Jeremy Sohan point guard thing at the beginning, dismal failure. And and it just all, – all the things that have gone into the season just make it seem like a real clown show. And, and it really does. And and now as we go with 20-plus games to go in the in the uh, season, you know, what do you watch for? What, what are you looking for? 
you want to watch Wimby because he's doing incredible things. That's good, and if that's good enough for you, fine. It's hard for me to get invested in this team moving forward. And, and, and boy, i, I got to come up with something. And maybe it's the assist streak that, that uh, you and Rob are talking about. Maybe that's what I'll get into. I, you know, I, I just don't know, but i got to find something. Well, to your point, it's it's so bad that we can't even just get into Wimby. Like, Wimby alone isn't enough of a lure or a, a draw to captivate our attention. And that's because what he's doing is, again, he's not just this amazing rookie. He's this amazing player. And you ask what their, I guess, M.O. or, you know, character is. They're the breakfast club, man. Like, they're just here <laughs> biding time. You know what I mean? They're all just waiting to be dismissed. That's all that they're doing. And and it's a, a band of misfits. And that anyone ever thought this would kind of work is really amazing when you think back on it. Like, this was never, you know, going to be anything. Um, Pete Estrada says in the Brigade Bar, I think the young guys are tired of pop. He's lost them. Something I bring up a lot, Joe, I know you, you know, don't get up with us because you're lazy, is <laughs> the young players, and even Wemby, although Wemby's this kind of student of the game and the fact that he's, you know, French is, is, is maybe, you know, changes this dynamic a little bit, but they're so young that the Spurs dynasty is ancient history to them. You know what I mean? This isn't 2018 where it feels like five minutes ago. I mean, all these, it, the, the 2014 season was 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like these dudes were in middle school when that happened and, and you know, way more into Steph and, you know, LeBron and, and all these other eras that were beginning. Like they, they don't know this history to be this pronounced thing in their mind. So, I don't blame them for not being con- – it's hard to be connected to it at this point in time. And, again, I, I think it's easier for Victor because of, of the you know international connection and you know, the Spurs history in that capacity. But it, it does feel like they are just all going through the motions, and they're, they're all just waiting for this to end. This rodeo road trip has just felt like, oh, let's just get through it like, and, and get them back home because this is all going to – they have one win. One win on the rodeo road trip. What? A, what? A, imagine if that and anyone ever had, had ever told you that that they had, the Spurs had one win on the rodeo road trip. That felt impossible for most of time. Well, it, yeah, because back in the day, I mean, you're talking about that dynasty that that uh, you know I I was fortunate enough to ride the coattails on. The rodeo road trip was always the time of the season where this team came together and they got right. they got hardened, if you will, and came together for the playoff run. And uh, so everybody looked forward to it. Now it's just like, well, get it over with and, and uh, bring them back home. And, and the fact that they've got to go into Minnesota uh, to end this thing is, is kind of scary to be honest with you. Cause the last time <laughs> the Spurs saw Minnesota, they, uh, they won that game. Um, Oh, they they yeah, pants them, dude, and they and they laughed, and now the T Wolves <laughs> want revenge for sure. Absolutely, they want revenge, and the T Wolves are a good team, and, and it could get ugly in Minnesota tomorrow night. But uh, neither here nor there. I just want this see. I just want the season to be over because what I want to see now is what Pop and Brian Wright and company are going to do in the off season. How are they going to build this team? They've got draft picks aplenty. They've got money to spend. Uh, they're going to have another high draft pick um, because, regardless of what happens, they're going to have probably a top three draft pick in 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 the NBA draft this year. And so, I just I, I want to see what they're going to do. I want to see how they're going to build this team moving forward. And to me, the only answer is to be aggressive and to get some veteran players in here to mix with Wimbanyama and a Devin Vassell, and and let's start moving this thing forward. I agree with you, and. 
in a lot of ways, I think about the the not real silver and black, the fraud silver and black, um, the Las Vegas Raiders. Everybody said, oh, you have to hire Antonio Pierce because the players love him, and you didn't do that with Rich Bisaccia, right? Like, at a certain right. point, you have to do, like, the one thing that you're opposed to doing just to try it because everything else hasn't been working. So I agree with you beyond the fact that it makes sense to be aggressive and, and to, you know, kind of take advantage of this and, and build around Wemby. That's the one thing you refuse to do. So go out and do it. And if it doesn't work, oh, no, what's going to happen? We're going to have 11 wins on February 26th next year, even though it's not a leap year. We'll be okay. We'll survive. Um, a lot of people, Joe, on the subject of basketball, have strong opinions on um, storming the court uh, based ah, on another incident that happened over the course of the weekend. What do you uh-huh. think? Let us know. We've got thoughts. 656 ESPN 656-3776. We're talking storming the court and whether or not it should be permanently banned. Right after this on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Let's go! Hi, it's James Dominic. You're listening to the home of the Cowboys, 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning, Huddle. 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Easy, keeping us alive on the radio. (laughs) My name is R.J. Ochoa. His name is Joe Reinagle. In for Rob Thompson today. Joe, have you seen the latest tweet from the Arizona Cardinals? I have not seen the latest tweet from the Arizona Cardinals. So they tweeted out a kind of a mock-up, not mock-up, it's a, a photo compilation of Kyler Murray. Um, and you know, it just says Kyler Murray on the graphic, and it says, our franchise QB. That's the text. Pretty normal, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Do, you know why, do you know why that laughter is the universal reaction from people? Yes. I do, because Kyler Murray, that may be the worst deal uh, since the Dak Prescott deal. So um, that's not why people are laughing. Maybe maybe you forgot this. So, you know, and people might have. It was now six years ago at the draft that was held at AT&T Stadium in 2018 when the Arizona Cardinals took Josh Rosen out of UCLA in the first yeah. round. They were awful. Uh, with Steve Wilkes as their head coach, they fired him after one year, although it was ridiculous. They didn't give him more time to kind of put things together, but they fired him, and they had the number one overall pick in the draft. They'd hired Cliff Kingsbury. He obviously knew Kyler Murray. And ahead of the draft or combine season, everybody was talking about how Cliff and the Cardinals were going to draft Kyler and move on from Josh. The Cardinals' Twitter account tweeted, y'all are having fun with speculation, but Josh is our guy. They obviously would go on to trade Josh Rosen and draft Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. So that they would kind of do the same thing with Kyler Murray here is just a little bit funny, to say the least. Well, you know, they, they paid him a lot of money uh, when the what it was the management, right before they got all whacked, and right. gave Kyler Murray a lot of money for a guy that, boy, just has not, at, at least at this point in time, has done nothing. Uh, maybe healthy this year, he'll come back and, and be something. But uh, yeah, that, that's the craziness. And we talk about, you know, the Prescott contract and, and some of the money that these quarterbacks make. To pay guys that have, that I mean, quite frankly, don't even have a, a scratch on the surface when it comes to Dak Prescott's regular season record, getting the money that they are getting is just absolutely crazy. And uh, Kyler Murray thus far has not been uh, has not been the best of quarterbacks, but he's a very rich man. No, and I remember when everybody was like, he would make so much more money playing baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you play quarterback, you make a lot of money. Um, on the subject, though, of money, um, you mentioned this in the break. 
The Cincinnati Bengals are the first team to exercise the franchise tag this offseason. They have officially placed it on wide receiver T. Higgins, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, the Bengals, at least, are preparing themselves to challenge the Chiefs in the AFC. Do you like the move? Do you not? I don't, I don't think they're going to get a long-term deal done here because they're going to have well, to pay I, Jamar Chase, too. Yeah, I like the deal. Uh, apparently, it's about $21.8 million is what T. Higgins is going to make under the tag this year. I do like it because I think um, you, you can't let a guy like that get away if you think this year you can get it done. Uh, Jamar Chase obviously is the uh, premier receiver on that football team, but T. Higgins plays a great role in uh, uh, having both of those guys, and Joe Burrow's got to love the fact that they that they put the tag on T. Higgins not to let him get away. So, um, yeah, boy, I, I look at that Bengals team, R.J., and, and Burrow's got to find a way to stay healthy. If that dude, he's a great quarterback and I think can be one of the greats, but, man, he's got to find a way to stay healthy, and that's been a problem for him. So um, I think they can challenge Kansas City but, uh, it, with a healthy Joe Burrow, and that's going to be a big question mark. Certainly has been thus far. He feels like the Peyton Manning to Mahomes' Brady. Like he's he's the yeah. one dude who's, who's kind of capable of doing that. Um, quickly, uh, and this is why everybody should subscribe to the YouTube channel, SA Sports Star on YouTube. Subscribe, like the video, uh, turn on the notifications. Joshua Jimenez, Joe, said in the Brigade Bar, I got to say, I'm really loving this sophisticated sports show, uh -huh, especially uh -huh. when Joe has a real Picasso behind him. Man, that's some TV money. Uh, what is this piece behind you, Joe? Uh, and this again? I, I'm not sure. I don't think it's a Picasso, but it's, uh, it says there's a, a name here. It says James. So don't, I don't touch James it. Don't touch it. That, you're diminishing I, well, the... the I won't, but I, it's, uh, I'm not sure who James is, but I'm actually sitting in, uh, in my wife Maggie's office. So, cause she, uh, she works, uh, both, right? She, in the office. She went through the office today. So I'm using her office, and this is the, uh, the painting that she, she likes to have behind her. So, uh, wow. hey, if that's sophisticated, that's great, but it's not a, uh, it's not a Picasso, unfortunately. I wish it was. You are a sophisticated kind of guy, which is why I think your opinion on this is important. Um, over the weekend, we had another court storming incident, um, this time involving a Duke player, Wake Forest. I wonder if, if Tim had any, um, or has any thoughts on this, <laughs> but, um, uh, Wake, Wake Forest stormed the court. Um, Duke head coach John Shire, uh, spoke about this and addressed that Fans aren't even waiting, in his opinion, until the the buzzard sounds, which is half of the issue. You look around the country, and Caitlin Clark, something happens. Now, Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like, when I played, at least there was 10 seconds in the court, you know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off, and they're they're running on the floor. Yeah, uh, Kyle Flipowski, the player. You you agree? I, don't, I, I need to look at the, like broken down replay i mean just, i don't know that anybody's waiting before the buzzer sounds that seems a little far-fetched well i think they're getting a running start quite frankly you know that plan is in place uh as they realize that wake forest is going to be duke uh so the plan's in place and they're all you know getting ready for their moment in the sun i guess if that's what you want to call it but um look th these kids are going to do that they got and i don't know how you stop it I really don't. It's unfortunate that the young man got hurt. Um, hopefully it's not too bad because he is projected to be a, a top-ten pick in a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, mock drafts that I've seen in the NBA. So hopefully he's not hurt badly. And uh, but but RJ, I don't know what you do to stop it. Honestly, other than just putting uh, a, you know an army around the court for every single game, and I'm just not sure that universities are willing to do that every single time. It's either you outlaw it and punish, you know, things. And again, there's if players are getting hurt, then you you obviously have to have serious conversations. But I, I'm with you. I kind of think that you, I I think from a, a legal perspective, I'm not a lawyer, but I imagine that arenas will start, you know, in the final, you know, TV timeout or something, addressing some sort or having some sort of message in arena. You know, fans, please remember if you want to celebrate after the game to do so appropriately, not to harm any, you know, players or personnel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's where we're headed. But this um, this was a grievance of Duke, obviously. And, Joe, you haven't been on an episode of The Morning Huddle since uh, grievances became a thing. So I, I, I know not. I know that you have some grievances, and we're going to get into them, and we certainly want to get into any that anybody else has. The airing of grievances next here on 941 San Antonio Sports Star. This is the Morning Huddle with Rob Thompson and R.J. Ochoa. Welcome, newcomers. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Here are the grievances with Rob and R.J. It's Monday. So you likely have something that has you upset. Thankfully for you, we have the antidote for that, and it is the airing of grievances. We do it every day around here on the morning huddle at 9.30 in the morning, the blessed a.m. Normally, Rob Thompson here. He's out today. I'm R.J. Ochoa in Rob's place for the first airing of grievances in his life, at least in this professional capacity, is Joe <laughs> Reinagle. Joe, you know how this works, right? Or do you need like the rules? I mean, I don't, you know, I want to make sure you do this right. Yeah, are, are there rules, RJ? I mean, this is the the purpose of this is to to feel better as a result of it. So it's something you want to get okay. off your chest. Right. It can be sports related, it can be non sports related. We, we certainly are interested in what you know people have to say. Six five six ESPN six five six three seven seven six, or you can chime in on our chat. Uh, go subscribe on the San Antonio Sports Star YouTube feed. Joshua Jimenez has set a high bar in the chat. Says in the brigade bar, airing of grievances with Joe. Multiple exclamation points. This is going to be real good. He should do it from his front lawn and at the end of it say, get off my lawn. Um, now, Joe, you are um, kind of a grievance person. Like you, you, When you have a grievance, it's a strong one, and it, there's a, a real reason to have it. And there's a lot of conviction. And I think it's appropriate that you're here on today of all days. Will you ask me why? Why? Well, because today is the 12-year anniversary of of I wouldn't say a grievance, um, but a moment of passion that you tend to exemplify on a kind of second-by-second second basis in everything that you do and say. Uh, Pete Weber, uh, an all-time bowler, said uh -huh. this 12 years ago today. Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. And he got it! Yes! That is why I did it! five! Are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? I am. Some of the uh -huh. more famous words ever spoken in, in the history of, of sports and really the history of the earth. Um, that's the passion we're looking for from you, Joe, when it comes to grievances. So 
The floor is yours. Sports, pop culture, food, entertainment, whatever you want. What's uh? What do you got for us? You know, I will. Uh, and didn't even think about this to be honest with you, RJ. But it's something that happened just last night that I'm very upset about and got very. Uh, Really, really upset about, as a matter of fact. I am a big Whataburger defender. Everybody tries to throw in In-N-Out Burger, and In-N-Out Burger sucks. All right, that, let's just say that. It's horrible. I was so excited to try an In-N-Out Burger the first time I went to L.A. I did, and I'm like, Psh, what the hell? This sucks. <laughs> so I'm a big Whataburger guy. Okay. But this particular Whataburger that I went to yesterday, um... Order to uh, number four, right? That's the meal. You get okay. a, you get a water burger with cheese with jalapenos, fries, and a drink. So I open up the bag. There's no fries, and I'm already gone. Right oh, from the water no. burger, already gone. My wife likes to get the little kids meal, chicken strips. Ah, uh, so she had the little tiny bag of fries. She had no fries. Oh there were no. no fries to be had. None. Oh so, no. The problem that I have, number one, is Whataburger forgot the fries. Number two, I'm a big defender of Whataburger, so that's that irritates me. And number three, I don't like people that sit in the drive-thru and wait and check their bag. But I'm going to have to be one of those guys now. Wow. So something we do here, too, that I should have mentioned is um, we we – judge the grievances so i'll judge yours you'll judge mine and i'll let you know whether it passes <laughs> or fails um, okay some, sometimes uh-huh. you know we're just we're just in a bad mood and something isn't a proper grievance i think this is a great grievance so this one passes for me you you got a batting percentage of a thousand so far joe um because i agree with you now you have to be that person because you because i'm sure last night while your meal was probably fine it could have been so much better and your wife's meal as well and you don't want to experience that in the future and Whataburger has has scarred you. You know what I mean? Like you you feel that phantom pain now every single time you drive through because what if they forgot the fries again? That's an unfortunate life that you have to live now. I'm going to have to sit there like a goof in the drive-through line before I leave the window, open up the bag and make sure that everything's in there. I don't like that. I hate it when people do it cuz I'm ready to get up to the window and get my stuff. But now I'm going to have to be that guy. Do you also not like it if you are paying some for something in somewhere, but like at a physical line, not in the drive-through, and the people put away their cash in their in their wallet or purse in front of you? Does that bother you in the same way? Like they're taking up time, you know, sorting it or whatever. You know, I'm 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 okay with that. It depends on how big a hurry I'm in, but I'm okay with that. I'm, I don't really have an issue with that. Most people do it pretty quickly, but it's okay. that checking of the bag, especially a, a you know if you get you're in front of or behind somebody that you know they got a big bag of food and they got to make sure and check that everything's there and it it's just like uh, uh, let's get on with it. All right. Oh, and sometimes when they order, they got like multiple kids in the car. Or you know what I mean? They're exactly. like, oh. Did- did you get your Diet Coke, your sweet tea, your unsweet tea? We had we this one was supposed to be unsweet. Oh yeah, that's a nightmare. Um, yes. Man. So I, well, I gotta I'm ask gonna before, have to be that guy. Before I I go into some grievances myself, what did you do when you got you know back and you ate? Did you um did you eat chips or something at home or did you just eat it fryless? That's kind of weird. I I know right because what's a burger without fries? I mean it just right. doesn't doesn't match up. So. <laughs> First time I've ever done it. If you look at a, your Whataburger receipt, there's one of those uh, things where you snap the picture and oh, they want to hear no. your comments. I actually complained. 
the first time. Now, I expect a free Whataburger coupon or something. I mean, I'm, and, and then I'm really going to uh, be upset if I don't get that. I got to get a free order fries or something. And, yeah, I said, look, if, the, if this was the first time, RJ, I probably would have let it go. The other day at the Whataburger near my house, oh, I, get gosh. A, a, I, get, I get a sausage biscuit thing, right? So I get it. There's no sausage on it. It's just egg. And I'm like, what the hell is going on with Whataburger? <laughs> so I'm, I'm we... a little bitter. I wouldn't complain otherwise, but, you know, it's it's not the first time. We've um we've clearly opened a gate. Uh, <laughs> and so um, this is tough. Uh, this is a fair and proper grievance. So you succeeded, but man, as a water as a fellow Waterburger defender, it's gotten a little bit tough yes. ever since they've gone a little it corporate. Is. Um, th- this is a tough scene. I'm I'm bummed to have to agree with you, but I mean, like you, I'm a truth teller, so um, you know, your grievance passes. Um, okay, my my <laughs> first one. I have I have two today, so I hope you have a second okay. one. Okay, all right. Um, I actually wished this upon Rob recently, as um, you know, we were arguing. And he said something I didn't like, so I said, I hope this happens to you. What ultimately happened to me? <laughs> And it also happened at a place that I like to defend. Um, so I was in Waco over the weekend. With We were visiting my in-laws. My son got to see his grandparents. It was super awesome. We had a great time. We saw the Dr. Pepper Museum and all this fun stuff. But we went and had um, had lunch at George's, one of the more popular stops yeah. you know, along I-35. And uh-huh. and I had hyped this place up you know, because I've been there many times. I told my in-laws. And there's nothing worse, by the way, when you hype something up and it doesn't deliver. Now – they enjoyed it, but uh, for anyone who hasn't been to Georgia's, they have these things called Crazy Wings. I think they used to be called um, Armadillo Eggs, but I'm not certain. But it's basically chicken. Uh, do you know what they are, Joe? I don't know what they are. I've been okay, to Georgia's, but I don't know what those are. They're little kind of almost chicken nugget sized, that kind of pockets of chicken wrapped around jalapeno and cheese. And then that nice. whole you know mechanism is, is wrapped around bacon and deep fried. So it's this ball of, like, intense just deliciousness. And they serve it to you, and they have this big old, you know, saucer of ranch dressing, and you dip it in ranch dressing, and it's super awesome. Now, I'm a considerate person. I'm a considerate family member, a considerate son-in-law. So I'm not going to be dipping my stuff into the community ranch, right? (laughs) Um, So I asked the waitress. I said, hey, can you bring a spoon? Because it was actually a really big saucer cup. I said, can you bring a spoon so that, you know, like my thought was so I could spoon some ranch onto my individual plate, right? Oh, yeah, I'll be right back. Never came with a spoon. The whole meal. She never brought the spoon. <laughs> so I was I was waiting for a long time. And I was starving. And I was really excited for this and for these, these wings and this whole meal and everything like that. And I ultimately had to pick up the saucer and very carefully drip some ranch onto my plate. But there is nothing worse than getting your meal when you're kind of wanting a sauce, you know, like whether it's ranch or ketchup, and not having that. You have to wait to start your meal. It's worse than not having the food because you have the food but not the necessary dipping sauce. No, that passes, and and I'll <laughs> give you that one. That because yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> it happens a lot, doesn't it? I like crushed red pepper. Like um, pizza or whatever, I, I like right. fresh red pepper, but I always have to ask for it. I mean, don't most people, or if you don't, you always get the cheese, right, the Parmesan cheese, but then they don't bring the crushed red pepper, so I have to ask for it. Well, I don't want to start wait. eating until I get the crushed right. right. Everybody else is already halfway through their first slice, and I got to wow. wait. I'm yeah, more shocked that they don't have it. I feel like it's a staple on the table to have the cheese it, it, and the pepper. It should be. 
And you go to a restaurant where they're cranking out the cheese and everything, and I'm like, can I can I have some red pepper? And why do like, they have to? Why do they have okay. to bring that? Why can't they bring like if you're or, like if you go to Olive Garden or something, not to call them out, and you, but you go to a place where they have the grated cheese. When they bring you the stuff, why can't they leave the cheese? You know what I'm saying? Like why? Because you know what I actually want. I want some on every layer. You know, I want some cheese on the top, and then I'm going to eat a little bit, and then I'm done with the cheese. You know, because I ate it all. I want to have it all throughout. So why can't you? What's so precious about the graters that you have to take it away? Well, I think it's the ambiance of the restaurant, right? They're mm. cranking that cheese out, and you tell them when it is. <laughs> and it's the same with like like the pepper, you know. And you tell I them, and, and the guys cranking away there and oh and, you uh, want the, the 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 black pepper the grinded pepper that's what you're saying absolutely yes mm. yes i mean i'm with you but why can't you with leave the, the thing why can't you like because then then what i'm saying is even worse then you eat some salad or whatever and you want more cheese to continue the meal and you have to then pause you know what i'm saying you have to pause and you have to flag down the waiter and you have to say can you bring the cheese thing and they come and then they say tell me that's such an uncomfortable moment by the way tell me when <laughs> You know, that's like I'm just being silently judged. The whole with every crank, you're thinking like, right, "This is enough, man." Like, you know, this isn't good for you at this point in time. It's a really uncomfortable moment for me. Yeah, the server's going, dude. This guy's in trouble, man. With all this cheese on his salad, that's uh, he's in trouble. That's not good. I, you know, I don't know why. The only thing I think of, RJ, is these guys probably trained for weeks on how to use this <laughs> crank and cheese thing. Right. So uh, that's the only thing I think of. The and certification you, involved. A, yeah. Right, a, a regular civilian like yourself right. would have no clue how to do the cheese right, and so that's, that, that's what I'm thinking. Do you have a second grievance, or do you need time? Because I have a second <laughs> one ready to roll. You go ahead. You go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I tweeted about this yesterday, actually. So coming home from Waco, I was so excited to pack the car. I don't know, like you know, my son's two years old, so I'm new to the dad game, but there is nothing more fun than packing the car. And I think I've actually really reached dad mode on this because I don't want any help. I, 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 you'll do it wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's a way this has to go so that everything is in the place that makes the most sense for it, so that everything is accessible the way that it needs to be. Now, I'm not trying to call anybody out who's riding with me, but my grievance is I put everything I put where I put it for a reason, and I took into consideration your needs. So when you're done, put it back where it goes. <laughs> Like we we're trying to, I want to establish everything in the most efficient way possible and leave the most room in the car possible so all the riders can be comfortable so we don't have a mess going. You know, that's that's my grievance is leave the things where they are. Put them back where they belong in the car. And it's, we're all together in this tiny space for this journey. So let's obey the rules of the packer. In this case, that happens to be me. You know, you could only be talking about your wife, so obviously you're throwing her right under the bus here. So hey, let's get that straight, first of all. I hope she's a very kind woman. I'm sure she is. She is. Um, she's too kind you. for me. You know, but it's actually, it's not just her. It's very often, you know, other people join in and they sit in and then, you know, they pull something from the back out that they needed and then they leave it in the back seat with them. No, no, no. Uh -huh. There was a designated place for this. In the back, we we laid it out. We had a plan. We had a blueprint and everything. So you know, just stick to it. That's all I'm saying. And now, then every okay, stop I, is a chance to refresh and reassess. Now, knowing where you live, that that's a hell of a drive you took yesterday. I mean, you know, I'm tough like that, Joe, and that's why I packed yeah. the car the way that I did, so that it could all work the way I needed it to work. Now, do you go through Alice when you go home? Uh, I do. 
Nice. Okay. You know, that's my hometown, <laughs> by the way. Of course you I know, know that. You and Tom Landry. <laughs> Tom Landry. <laughs> um, we have a grievance in the chat. Rudolph uh-huh. Gonzalez. This is, this is what's great, hearing about these problems that people face. Rudolph Gonzalez says, my grievance is that HEB doesn't train their baggers to bag properly. They used to be very good at it. Also, paper bags are far superior. I agree the paper bags are superior, although it's difficult to carry multiple of them at the same time. The plastic bags, you put a bunch on your arm. You know what I'm saying? And you go in. Do you run into this, Joe? Do you feel like your your groceries aren't aren't bagged the right way? They aren't bagged efficiently. I didn't, I didn't, didn't know they still did paper bags, to be honest with you. So I'm learning something from Rudolph. But, they do it you know, some Rudolph, places. It's select. Rudolph has always got a lot of grievances. He, he, you know, Rudolph and I have, a, have this uh, love-hate relationship <laughs> going on. So... Uh, which is fine, and and so you know I like Rudolph, but I didn't know they made paper bags still. And you talk about a grievance; did they go to California or somewhere and they charge you for those damn things? That's a great point. Yeah, you go to like it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they're like ten cents a bag, yes. and then they say, "How many do you want?" I mean, you know, there was a lot of um, I don't know if you saw this. There were a lot of memes about all the private jets that left Las Vegas after the Super Bowl. There was <laughs> yes. there was some, somebody had like a it wasn't a Google Earth, but it was it was some sort of app that tracks you know private jets or whatever. And it it, it was just like it was like a spider web of jets leaving here, there, in different directions. And the the like caption said, "But I'm going to drink out of a paper straw." Like okay, Joe <laughs> Joe has to pay for you know bags at the grocery stores to help the environment, but. We got all these private jets leaving around Las Vegas in a you know twenty four hour period. We got a hundred private jets. Doesn't make sense. That makes no sense. And have you ever had a paper straw? Have you oh, ever they done suck. that? It's horrible. It's horrible. So you know, I and I think it, I don't know. I haven't been to a restaurant in a long time where they uh, where they serve you with a paper straw. So I'm happy about that. Maybe that little fad is over. But yeah, it's awful because you really can't even get through your your drink um, with a paper straw. It, it's it's ruined, and you have to have more than one. Um, so yeah, I would offer this paper as, straw. As a, that's a that's a grievance. As a restaurant related grievance, you're um you're a tea drinker. You but but like you go to a, a, a restaurant. You um do you put sugar lemon in your tea? Like when you no, you know at a restaurant. I don't. I don't. I've gotten to the point where I used to, and I used to use sweet and low quite a bit, and and everybody, um, you know, told me how bad that was for me. But I love the taste of sweet and low. Okay, and, but, but you, you know, it's a it's a common thing. So yeah. yeah, so some people do it. My grievance is if you're somebody, and we're not coming for waiters today. These just happen to all be in the same universe of grievances. <laughs> um, if I, if I'm drinking tea that I'm making, so you're bringing me the unsweetened tea. I'm very obviously. You know, adding sugar, whatever it is, and lemon, if I'm doing that, and stirring it at the table, all right? If I'm mid-meal, and say I'm at like a barbecue restaurant, and my hands are dirty, things like that, whatever, and I got half a glass, I appreciate that you're looking out for me, and you want to fill it up. But if you fill it up, then I have to redress the tea. You know what I'm saying? And my hands are filthy, and so it's, I have to clean up my hands. I have to do the tea. I have to stir everything. And now there's more ice, and it's getting diluted. And the consistency isn't exactly where I want it to be. Maybe chill out while I'm eating. That's all I'm saying. So you're saying the guy should just wait till your glass is completely empty and then fill it. I mean, there's a point where I think it's fair. Maybe if I have like 30%, you know, maybe we come to terms on a universal agreement on what the, the, the consensus, you know, comfortable point of, of refilling is. 
But 50% is not it. If I have 50%, I have more than enough to work with for my meal. <laughs> well, again, that's weeks of training, RJ, that they're told not to let that glass get empty. Wow. And you know, that that's that's the way it is. So, you're, it, you know, these guys, most servers are fantastic. They take their Agreed. job very seriously. And so that, you know, it, and I hope you tip them well. Are you, are I always you a big do. tipper, RJ? Of course. I mean, why Good. shouldn't we be? We, if you can, you should. You know what I mean? Everybody's hustling. Everybody's grinding. Everybody's got, you know, food to put on a table. And so if if people can, I think they should. I try to in every instance. Um, on the subject of Good food, because we're, we're getting ready to wind things down, have you – you've had some time. You're going to be back in like five minutes for the Blitz, but have you figured out what your lunch plan is for today? I have no clue. Uh, I will probably go scrounge around the kitchen as soon as we get off the air right now and uh, figure out something that I can at least tide me over until I find a but do you know uh, your dinner plans? place. Do you know your dinner plans uh, yet? Uh, no, I don't. And it's, <laughs> it already you, seems like I've how are you been living away today? for 12 You're... hours. So. <laughs> I mean, this I mean, is a real... You plan out meals? You plan out meals, right? I mean... Dude. We have a two-year-old. We our whole so, week is planned for dinner. So, like, so you already have lunch and dinner planned already. Yeah. Well, I, I, we have to live by a schedule, especially for him. So like, I know I'm about to go throw some chicken on the smoker and have it ready. Uh -huh. I'm a I'm a pick off that every day for lunch and make some kind of you know bowls with rice and beans and things like that. It's gonna be awesome. So yeah, I have a plan. How how are you this aloof? You know what I mean? Like that's another one of my grievances. Get some organization going on here. Well, you see, in in my defense, I mean, empty nester, right? It's just me and Maggie, so That's fair. we can kind of we can be spontaneous. Ooh, so if, spontaneous you know, make... and sophisticated because That's of the, it. the James Picasso painting behind you. James Picasso original. Ooh, Will S. By the way, my grievance <laughs> is that my work has changed my hours, so I only get to catch the last ninety minutes of of the huddle. And all of the Blitz. Well, if you're getting all of the Blitz, you're getting all of Joe Reinagle later on this afternoon. Our many, many thanks, Joe, to you for joining us this morning. Getting up bright and early and uh, pulling a little bit of double duty. You're the man. Thanks for having me, RJ. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Make sure to subscribe to the SA Sports Star YouTube channel. Make sure to have a wonderful day. And make sure to do not touch that dial. we got so much sports in store for you. 941, San Antonio Sports Star.